0: Hello, Arbitriers! Welcome to the first ever Arbitrarium In these episodes, Garrett and I, and other guests, sit down to prattle from scratch about whatever unprovoked topic possesses us, and we follow that babbling stream until we've cashed our brains out on booze and rhetoric, and little is left but a pallid wad of whiskey washed gray matter. And this series will be brought to you, in true blithering fashion, ad free! That's right, normally you'd pay our premium membership to avoid likely scams from our unscrupled but generous sponsors, but even they didn't want to attach their dubious brands to this special Arbitrarium series. Now sit back, relax, and prepare your neurons for the Arbitrarium's Peter Northian Blather Stream!
1: Welcome, Arbitriers, to the first ever State of the World by the Arbitrarium. State of the World! Well, if yeah. We, if we're going to do a musical accompaniment, we. we, we oh no! Yep, yeah, yep, yep. Shit. All right. So, uh, um, we've been looking around the world, and we've noticed that, well, it exists, and there's a a lot going on in it. Some of it's good, most of it's bad. We wanted to talk about it more in a general sense. But first, you know, how are you? You're a great person if you're listening to this. Only the best people listen to The arbitrarium. Our audience, finest in the planet. Mm Mm-hmm. I know our audience. They need it stated.
0: (laughs) We know our audience because we are our audience. Okay, so uh, this is the first free, like totally free form episode of The Arbitrarium. Uh, We don't even know if this is going to be an a la carte or a full episode
1: yet. I guess we'll find out. The biggest thing in my brain as far as what's going on in the world is Ukraine. Some of the news that's been coming out of that and people are freaking out, as they have been since this whole thing started. This latest, oh my God, the world's about to end thing comes from NATO sending Western-style tanks to Ukraine.
0: Western-style tanks.
1: Okay, Western Western tanks. Okay, I mean there there is kind of a style to Eastern tanks. They're very low mm. to the ground, kind of dome-shaped turrets.
0: Well, where are these tanks coming from specifically? The United
1: States, Germany, Great Britain.
0: Okay, so yeah,
1: all over the West. If it's if it's got a one hundred and twenty millimeter smoothbore gun, it's being sent. Mm. And the reason that, the, that people are freaking out about this is the primary anti-tank killing shell fired from NATO armies is a 120-millimeter SABO round, which is a subcaliber munition, meaning it fires a bullet that's smaller than the bore. And it has a it, – it, it, SABO means shoe. It's got a shoe around it, so it mm-hmm. fits in the barrel. And then when, it leave, when the bullet leaves the barrel, that shoe just splits off. Well, these SABOs are made of depleted uranium. Oh. Yeah, they're they're very effective at getting through armor. Hmm. But the Russians are saying if we see Sabos being used against our tanks, well that's that's a radiological weapon and we're gonna call that a nuclear weapon and we're gonna you're gonna say, Well you use nukes on us first so we can use nukes now.
0: Okay, except nobody that's not Sorry Russia, nobody cares. Like that's not yeah, a
1: thing. <laughs> you're not gonna use nukes. Mm-hmm. I I will be supremely surprised. If Russia uses nukes, yeah,
0: I didn't even heard about that. I mean, I've had my head buried in other work, but usually something that severe, I'll at least hear about.
1: Well, it, every month, Russia's been saying we're gonna we're, we'll go nuclear.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Every month they've been saying that, and it hasn't gone nuclear. NATO keeps crossing the line. They're they're that they keep NATO keeps crossing that line that Russia draws in the sand about you're not going to send this to Ukraine, and then, mm. then we send it to Ukraine. Okay, well, well, you're not gonna you're not gonna send this to Ukraine, and then we send that to Ukraine. So, yeah, I I don't all that Russia has that could threaten NATO is is their nuclear arsenal, and they're not gonna use it. Mm-hmm. It would be supremely stupid to use that.
0: Yeah, because we were talking about not that long ago. Like, the fear of them using it at first, and then, mm-hmm. like for me, it was like, ugh. I can't imagine a situation, in, uh, other than outright tyrant madness, you know, Mad King kind of stuff, mm-hmm. uh, from from Putin. Other than that, I can't see any reason they would ever do that, because of the consequences of it. It's just, the consequences of something like that would, would be awful for everyone, to the point that unless you are literally just going total on full tilt Mad King, I don't see it happening.
1: Yeah, over o- over just Eastern Ukraine. Mm-hmm. That that's not happening. No. So yeah, it and kind of peggy backing off that same subject or same general subject, different facet. I've made no secret on this program that I'm. I tend to lean more right. I'm mm-hmm. not going to call myself conservative because I I can't. I reject the liberal conservative dynamic.
0: That's funny because I actually like the liberal conservative dynamic a lot more than the right left dynamic. Well, it's those like, words
1: mean more. Well, excuse me, conservative progressive dynamic. I'm gonna. I'm rejecting that because it's like your progressives are being driven by a or are or, or trying to move towards an ideology that is. Like 200 years old. That's where they're socialism, communism. That's where they're trying to go, right? Well,
0: yeah, yeah. There's a lot to it that's also old, equally as old. Ironic, some of it seemingly biblical, but um, yeah. No, we're we're they're moving backwards.
1: Yeah. The I mean, and I people are really starting to see conservative because I'd like to try something that's never been done before. Mm-hmm. But that's getting into more my personal political beliefs, but the people who tend to share more of my pers- uh, of my political beliefs are very opposed to sending aid to ukraine mm-hmm. which i don't understand i, I mean, mean I,
0: is it just like a uh, compulsive isolationist kind of mentality cuz maybe conservatives tend toward that it seems at least modern day conservatives
1: maybe I personally think it's more along the lines of, well, this happened under Democrat r- leadership, so we have to oppose what the
2: uh-huh.
1: <clears throat> what what the power and party wants to do. Mm. I think that's more it, and then the reasons that are being given is, well, you know, Ukraine's corrupt. It's, okay, Ukraine doesn't have to be the good guy for Russia to be the bad guy, right? And I mean,
0: it's a lesser. You, at the very least, you could you could make a pretty convincing argument that it's the lesser of two evils if you're going to go that direction.
1: Right. And another thing that's on my side of the political spectrum tends to be, well, we need to support people who are doing the right thing. You know, ignore anything else. If you find someone who's doing the right thing, you need to support them. Mm -hmm. Is there a more right thing than defending your homeland when invaded?
0: I mean, is that like... A like a hyper general question because yeah, I'm sure there probably I, are things that are more right. But again, well, yeah, you know that's that's a really awkwardly but, clunky subjective question.
1: De- de- picking up a rifle and defending your homeland is objectively the correct thing to do.
0: Object? You can't say objective. I'm going to say right. objectively. Mm, good luck. Can you make extremely strong arguments for it? Yes, but objective to me. Objective to me means unquestionable. Once you get down to the the logic of it, and,
1: and that's you just why can't it's susceptible to postmodernism. You that you
0: <laughs> you just can't do that with 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 questions of morality.
1: Okay, but these people are doing what anyone on the right says you should do if you're invaded, but we don't want to send money to them because it's going to a corrupt government. Hmm is that it would support the people, regardless of the government.
0: Well, it comes down to this thing that just happens, and we see it even more and more now than... I mean, we're relatively young, so maybe it's always happened, but seems to be that it's happened more now, where most people are, they are they're not really critically evaluating the situation in general. They're just kind of... because they have lives to live. They've associated themselves with certain groups, and and they'll have their own ideas, but they usually won't make waves, and they'll wait for somebody who is at least perceived to be in some kind of leadership position within that group to tell them it's okay to think a certain way, or that they're going to follow, they're going to go down a certain path, sociopolitically or philosophically, or whatever it happens to be. And what I find interesting about that is, uh, what I see happen a lot is that and now, to be fair, I see this more on the left than I do on the right at the moment, where the conservatives over the last few, God, almost eight years or so, maybe even longer, have pointed out the problems of things like critical race theory and, and, uh, and affirmative action and those types of things. And, uh, and race swapping, we're seeing more of that now, again.
1: It's more in culture than policy.
0: Right, but these types of things are things that that people on the conservative end have been criticizing for a long time, and and most often they would just be sort of waved off, or even aggressively waved off as, you know, racists or bigots or any of that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff, and now you're starting to see people on the left making these arguments as if they've never been made before, and... Now that somebody on the left in some perceived leadership position is starting to introduce these ideas, now people on the left on those lower rungs, the, the average person who considers themselves on the left, will start using them as talking points as if the left came up with them, as if the arguments have never been made. And that's frustrating.
1: Yes, yes it is.
0: It's like, guys, seriously, look look, look back at, uh, I hate to even say this, but even look back at Fox News in, in like 2006. 2007, it's, you were seeing When this. we graduated. Yes, when we graduated. You were seeing this stuff from them at that time. Now, I am loathe to uh, defend Fox News because of what it's become, and it's been...
1: It has become a Mickey Mouse parody of itself.
0: It, yeah, it's, it's, an, it's embarrassing. It is absolutely embarrassing. But, yeah, I was actually talking about that with somebody today that, you know... I was talking to you a little bit about it earlier, how the, the pendulum is starting to creak back toward the middle, at least, and I'm hoping it stays there, but it probably won't. Oh,
1: no, it's going to get far worse on the other side.
0: Yeah, well, and because you know people are starting to push back on a lot of these these ideas, like critical race theory, and and even on the smaller, I would say race swapping is on a much smaller mm. scale. That's a cultural entertainment type thing.
1: Yeah, you got to separate policy and culture.
0: Right, um, but you're starting to really see that pushback, and and... The problem is that, and this seems to happen so much over history that it's amazing to me that people, even in the intellectual circuit, uh, are subject to it. Now, I used to put, I used to lump Ben Shapiro in with those people, and I just can't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not saying he's a stupid guy, because he's not stupid, but he has made it very clear how susceptible he is to uh, popularity and and uh, and reputation and those kinds of things. He's built this whole Daily Wire thing up to be some, to to be pretty damn successful. But along the way, the more like if you watch his progression, sort of as a personality, he's 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 become sort of a cartoon version of himself. Mm-hmm. He's become a cartoon version, like a mascot of conservative intellectualism, and it's really really difficult to watch sometimes.
1: It for me, one of the reasons why it's really frustrating to watch is. He's held up as, as he is. He has become the mascot of, of conservative thought, mm-hmm. and yet you hear what he'd like to propose, and it's like that's this is like milk toast Republicanism and like big R Republican Party. Yeah, that's
0: well. He's always been like that. Well, that,
1: that that's not. It's not conservative so much as it is just slow down, Democrats. <laughs> what are you actually... You're just trying to slow things down, not actually conserve much. That's why it frustrates me. Hmm.
0: What are some examples of some of the things you've heard him talk about?
1: <clears throat> All right, this is going to make me sound like a bigot, but... Um, <laughs> that was going to come anyway, I guess. the The only... The only two things that I've really heard him hold fast to is Mm. a better way to frame this, is Second Amendment, but, you know, let's just keep it how it is. Let's not try and repeal anything. (laughs) Mm. Let's not have any new gun laws. Just keep things the way they are and enforce the gun laws we have. Not, hey, how about we get rid of some of this useless shit that isn't enforced in the first place, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: like uh, NFA items. Uh, suppressors, short barrel shotguns, yeah, short yeah. barrel rifles, machine guns.
0: Oh no, that, that that face was because I'm waiting to hear the part that makes you sound like a bigot. That oh. just sounds like gun
1: stuff. The Normal gun stuff. Well, I'm going to get to that. Okay. The other thing that he's held fast on is uh, opposition to abortion. Okay. Again, just hold things as they are. So let's not rock the boat. Occasionally he'll say something along the lines of, I think this is absolutely wrong, but never repeal all allowances for abortion. I've never heard him say anything along those lines.
0: I mean, you wouldn't get very far with a seg- suggestion like that, I wouldn't think.
1: I mean... Even if
0: that was your end goal, you're not going to get far by just coming out and saying, ban that's how,
1: abortion. That's how the left got to where they are. Saying the crazy shit out loud, until, and they said it loud enough and long enough that it became acceptable.
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> that's not a question of morals, that's a question mm. of tactics. Mm.
0: So, it seems like what you're saying is that...
1: Where's the, the ban gay marriage?
0: That <laughs> <the> Ben <laughs> Shapiro has not gone too far enough.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Okay. It, it seems to be more more about strategy than it is about principle, and that's why oh that I, doesn't surprise me at all. Out of that Bush bureau. that is the thing that I hate about the Republican Party.
0: Well, I think it's important to have that sort of strategy. I mean, I don't think that you should be you should lie by omission. So there's that. You know, whatever you stand for, tell people. Um, mm-hmm. If you're in a position like that, uh, but. It's also true that you're not. I, I really don't think you're going to get very far in this situation the country's in right now by saying ban gay marriage, ban abortion. I just don't. I mean, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Maybe that would empower a whole bunch of conservatives to, and I'm going to say hyper-conservatives because when you're talking about a full ban on abortion and a full ban on uh, gay marriage, that's to me the, when I when I use the term right, that is much more politically charged than conservative. When I think right. I think, you know, like, gun-toting, um, the caricature of those types of people, you know. No, the, no, keep
1: going. I want to see if you describe me.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm picturing, you know, the caricature that they generally draw of of people who are on the on the far right. You know, probably a MAGA-wearing, gun-toting, half-wit redneck, that, like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. The stuff that's not fair, but that we have met people like, you know.
1: Yes. Have family members who are like that. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I think
0: of when I think of the word right. Well, funnily
1: enough, most of those that are like that can't actually shoot that well.
0: <laughs> but when I think of conservative, I think more somebody who's at least of, you know, for lack they're of words. They're wearing a suit. <laughs> not necessarily a suit, but, you know, average intelligence who who actually does take the time to think about what it is that they 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 believe, at least to some degree. I'm not going to say mm. that they're an intellectual as we usually think of them. If I, When I think of conservative intellectuals, I usually think of somebody like, well, Peterson didn't used to be in that camp. No, he didn't. But he's he's definitely gone more into that camp.
1: Now that's another thing about the about the conservative movement that drives me nuts. Mm. We it again, it's it's tactics not so much principle. Um a lot of your big big conservative think or I'm not even going to say thinkers but conservative personalities are people who used to be on the left. Yeah. They, they left the left, and now now, now they're becoming well, the be, nucleus of the new right.
0: Because you're dealing with a lot of uh, disenfranchised and disillusioned liberals.
1: Yeah, but they're still coming from that same mindset that spawned, spawned the left as we know it.
0: It's, yeah, and they solve- and, that's,
1: it, it, and that's why you have the Republicans are just slow down, hold on, mm. instead of, no, let's reverse some of this dumb shit that we've done.
0: Well, I I don't think it's stupid to have a strategic, like, we need to do this, we need to have a reasonable strategy for getting this done. And if you're going to win enough people over that you can get anything done, the idea is, well, we're going to have to take it at least somewhat slowly. We need to actually convince people instead of demand it. I think that's a reasonable way to go about it. I think it's the smartest way to go about it. Otherwise, you end up continuously feeding into that us-versus-them rhetoric, that mentality, and it just keeps going back and forth. That's what keeps that fucking pendulum swinging back and forth.
1: That pendulum is always going to swing. It doesn't it's, have to swing as far as it has lately. It's, it's been swinging since since the first caveman picked up a rock and brained the other one over a difference of opinion.
0: It doesn't have to swing that violently, not to the degree that it has over the last... Well, I would say at least since 2008, but honestly, probably since 9/11, roughly. I think that's a p- fairly decent marker of when that really started to swing hard, somewhere around there.
1: So, so I mean, we we can keep going back on that. Um, what direction did it did it swing in 9 or after 9/11? Where well, was it before 9/11?
0: Before 9/11, it seemed like it was still relatively balanced. I mean, you had—I mean, not to be fair, we do have 50/50 uh, liberals and conservatives in the U.S. right now, roughly. That seems to be based on voting habits. That seems to be in voting statistics. That actually seems to be true. But they've become more polarized. Both of those. Mm-hmm. But back then, they weren't as polarized. Now there have been other times in history where we where we've gotten pretty polarized, but it hasn't always been like that. And to try and keep that... The idea, hopefully, is to keep from becoming that polarized as often as possible. And but
1: There's part of me that actually says, thank God for porn. <laughs>
0: but with... And
1: I'll explain that if you want.
0: <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to lose my train of thought. Um, but it might have already happened. I might have been cursed.
1: You thought about boobies. No, that's
0: not... <laughs> well, that's not actually what happened. But the bringing up of porn did... Did derail me, sorry, I um, say so I was talking about the, the 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 pendulum swinging back and forth, the polarization and all that stuff, and what what was I'm trying to walk myself back to what the hell I was talking about when I started this line of thinking um yeah, it didn't seem like it was that that bad until I'll say two thousand eight, but honestly, I remember seeing it feeling like it was kind of starting during the Bush administration. And then I did really, really hit with Obama. I do remember that. It started getting pretty polarized then. And then Trump was like, You thought it wasn't gonna get it couldn't get much worse under Obama and then and then we had Trump and everything just went to complete and utter shit. Um, but the idea of having a strategy to try and keep to try and get us back toward the middle somewhere without demonizing everyone and actually taking the time to convince people of whatever your argument is. That's good. You don't win you don't win people over over any long period of time by polarizing them against another group. It just doesn't work that way.
1: No, you don't need to polar you don't need to say, "Okay, these guys are terrible and and we're not." You can say, "No, this is what I stand for. This is why it's a good idea, and this is why I'm going to push as hard as I can for it."
0: Okay, fair enough. Maybe that's a sign of the times that I just immediately assumed that it involved demonizing or no, rat, rat fucking out <laughs> the other group.
1: Some of the bills that have been pushed by the latest class of congressmen, mm-hmm. I'm I'm like my god, they're actually they're speaking my language now. <laughs> one that was disband the ATF. Yeah. Another one, we're going to remove short-barreled rifles completely from the NFA. Mhm. And I I know I center on the firearms things, but that's that's what I follow, right? I'm kind of, I'm I'm not exactly a single issue voter, but there's one that I definitely pay attention to more than the others,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's that's firearms policy, right? But they're actually saying these things.
0: Mm-hmm. They're they're
1: putting these bills forward. They're not saying these people are evil because they want to take your guns. It's no the, Shapiro
0: you, is. Well, not on the gun issue, but with like everything else, this whole campaign of we won mm. by non-compliance and 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 the other side are fucking pricks and assholes. No, like, I'm not going to comply because
1: I don't think I should have to. Right. <laughs> not because I think that Democrats are evil.
0: Well, what I'm saying is the the Some Shapiro the Shapiro <laughs> camp is really is really maybe that's what bothers me about Daily Wire now is that it's it's the commercials I'm seeing are so unbelievably like propagandist. It feels to me like really cheap propaganda and I really I don't like being spoken to that way. I don't like the cartoonish feeling of it. It 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 really is a caricature of that kind of shit. it, It drives me nuts. But I think the reason we're seeing that and I actually don't have a problem with this necessarily, is that like you said, we're 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 seeing people who we're seeing disillusioned and disenfranchised people who are on who call themselves liberal, maybe not left anymore and certainly not progressive. But they moved toward the center, and then they and then the the talk, at least the talking heads for the, those groups they started to push more toward conservatism. And I'm talking about people like Jordan Peterson to an extent, but uh Dave Rubin, like all the IDW guys, Uh Dave Rubin um, and I don't Brett think the, Weinstein. Uh, I, I don't think
1: that's so much that they've been attracted to conservatism so much as repelled the by progressive left has gone so far. Yeah. Because if, if you were to talk to Dave Rubin, for instance, um, about his opinions now mm-hmm. versus his opinions in 2010, I don't think they would have changed that much.
0: I, don't, I actually don't think they – I think they would have changed in some ways significantly. But I, I, think, I think he he pushes more – He for a while he pushed a lot more to the right. And then he's sort of backed up, back to kind of, it seems like back around where he was he when I first started Turks. listening. To him. Yeah, he was he was he was on the Young Turks, um, and that's what drove him away because he started seeing the bullshit that was going on and the 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 things that they were telling them that they could and couldn't say and what they like all that stuff. It drove him nuts, and so that's why he left. But you're seeing that same thing with a lot of these people that are becoming vote like voices for the conservative. And I'm not going to say the right because I don't think they would agree with that. I think. Conservative at best, but many of them, including Dave Rubin, consider themselves classical liberals. But you've got Rubin, Peterson. um, I'm not going to put Shapiro in there because he was never, ever, as far as I know on the left. Um, Tim Pool. Tim Pool. uh, Let's see. Who's that other guy? Oh, well, Thomas Sowell. You could count Thomas Sowell, technically. Yeah, because he I was a Marxist.
1: <laughs> uh, that that happened in the sixties. Man, everyone was a Marxist. It was actually even longer
0: ago than <laughs> that. But yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, he was he was a Marxist, and he was a Marxist when he was in the Marine Corps. Yeah, which is
0: he was wild. a Marxist until after he got his his PhD. Yeah, in economics. But yeah, and you got soul. You got. Um, a few of the people uh, in on Brett, we- in Brett Weinstein's camp, he's had, um, I'm trying to think of some other examples. I want to say John McHorter might have been one of them, but I can't remember the details of his history. Yeah, there's, it's it's wild.
1: Uh, what's the, there's a there's a new voice. You removed the last three letters of that guy's name and you've got a new item at McDonald's. <laughs> the McWhore. <laughs> um. This was a Mc prostitute soliciting <laughs> McSex sex in the big drive through. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's got to be a subject as female uh, carrying a McRib joke there somewhere. <laughs> but um, oh, there was another thing I was going to mention there. But now I'm spacing on it oh uh there's a new uh voice uh young black lady i can't remember her name she's got she's got a name that's difficult to permi- pronounce to be honest but she's very young and she's uh she's she's got a show on um with uh oh crap the blaze not the blaze the in, the educational institution ran by what's his face boy my memory recalls garbage right now is he jewish yeah I, uh, no
1: I was going to say Christian. Prager PragerU. It is PragerU, yeah. Okay, yeah, Prager, that's that's not an actual education institution, but...
0: No, he has one. As far as I know, I feel like I remember him talking about, well, not him, but somebody who was involved. Dennis in Prager?
1: About that. Yeah. That That's more of a...
0: Maybe it was, okay, maybe I'm getting some things mixed up, because I know they were talking about, um, and I think Prager was part of it, uh, a number of the guys and, and ladies in that group of people were, were talking about creating a online university. Mm-hmm. Um, To, for lack of better words, combat what they – the perceived sort of progressive propaganda that they're seeing um, in many cases mandated in public schools and things like that. Yeah,
1: PragerU can typically – they don't have any, like, personalities that stick with them. It's more like, hey, this is something I want to talk about, so I'm going to talk about it on PragerU.
0: Yeah, I mean it's basically TED Talks except for conservatives. Yes, uh, but no, they have a they have a new a new lady. I can't remember her name. But she was a her mother is as far as I know is still pretty far left, progressive and all that stuff. And she's uh, she grew up like that and and was disillusioned by it. She at, at a certain point started to notice how miserable she was because she had been taught to hate people she didn't really know. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, so she she ended up on the other side. Yeah, so those are the kinds of people that are that seem to be pushing their way into um certainly media leadership and maybe even eventually political leadership on uh, on the more conservative or even centrist end of things. And I think a lot of that can be um I think we can probably thank Joe Rogan to a probably a fairly large degree for for making those voices widely heard because Rogan's podcast is the one that featured all these people and and made them more mainstream. Peterson's the only one you could probably make an argument. Didn't necessarily go that way, and, and Shapiro probably as well. But all the other ones got heard primarily through Rogan's podcast.
1: But I, like I said, I don't necessarily... Sargon, that's another one. Sargon, yeah. He came from the left. Yeah. Excuse me, Carl Benjamin. <laughs>
0: Well, and this is something that, and actually this this is something I talk about with my, my students when we're talking about character development, because I, I use the uh, the liberal conservative political spectrum to kind of describe this, because it's the easiest way to think about it. And it's like, look, you, you've got this spectrum of people who just have uh, fundamental moral differences, and you can make pretty reasonable arguments in, this, in a certain spectrum mm. from liberal to conservative, right? And we talk about how they, they balance each other. From time to time and those kinds of things. But then you have the people who are beyond the edges of those, out, out at the fringe, the, the more... um the like way you know, You'll call them extremists.
1: <laughs> like me.
0: Or fundamentalists, maybe, something like that. Yeah,
1: there, there we all accept that.
0: <laughs> but, I no, and I, I don't put you in this camp, and here's why. Because the way I, I talk about it with them is, look... You can be anywhere in that spectrum and be a, a pretty normal, well-meaning human being mm-hmm. who, who even has some reasonable, uh, has good reasons for thinking the way that you do. But what determines, what, I think what, what classifies the line or what determines or dictates the line of, of going out to that far and then, and then crossing that line into um, fundamentalism or extremism, I think, is when you get, when you move from I want you to understand me. To I want your acquiescence, regardless of what you think.
1: Okay, that's fair.
0: To me, that is, and I talk about this with my students because when you're developing characters, this is a good way to determine whether or not your 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 character is just, you know, maybe even relatively far out there, and but, but has good reasons and all that, even has good even has good intentions. To okay, once you start trying to force people to believe what you believe through violence or or not litigation, uh, violence or um,
1: intimidation,
0: coercion, coercion, or even law
1: to a certain extent. Violence, and intimidation, coercion. That's what law
0: is. (laughs) And once you get to that point, then we're dealing with somebody who is, uh, I would say, an ideologue.
1: Ideologically possessed.
0: Who is, yeah, ideologically possessed. And what I mentioned to them, and this is the important thing, is whether or not you are an extremist or a fundamentalist or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. has nothing to do with whether or not you're liberal or conservative or progressive or or whatever. It has nothing to do with that because you can have reasonable people on both ends of that that spectrum. What determines, seem, it seems to be what determines whether or not you're out on those fringes is your personality. And that's really all it is because if you had someone who was a just a violent, narcissistic asshole, Mm -hmm. depending on their environment, they could have been on the far left or the far right, because you can accomplish the same things for the same reasons on both ends of that.
1: You're kind of going to horseshoe theory. Or the horseshoe hypothesis. Yeah, explain that. Where the fringes have more in common with each other than the center.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because they want acquiescence. It's not really about whatever the truth is at that point. It's about um, them... Requiring validation, and I can't think of a better word than acquiescence because that's really what that is. They require you and demand that you that you live by the rules that they believe should govern life. And there's no there's no wiggle room there. It's just it's sheer ty- tyranny, order to the extreme, on both ends. And that that's that's the way I. I generally explain. I forgot to turn my phone down. Crap. Oh, please. Okay, roughly around the 33 minute mark, I gotta remember that the phone rang.
1: You never edit these things.
0: <laughs> actually, I do. I, to be fair, I actually edit the beginning of it. Pretty much every episode just to close any silent gaps. Okay. So that we have a good momentum going into it.
1: All right. I do like momentum. hmm <clears throat> Yeah. So. So, yeah, I want to go into the porn thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. okay.
1: And so I, I personally think porn is not a good thing. I think this is a cultural vice that needs to be limited far more than actually exists it's it's rhetoric it's a rather caustic soul, substance culturally yeah and we can see what's going what happens or we can we can look at the the state of dating right now and not directly but there are indirect correlations there that are alarming to say the least
0: you've been watching a fair amount of peterson lately cuz he's been talking a lot about that no actually okay.
1: this is this is not peterson
0: talking a lot about that
1: and um this actually comes from uh Louise Perry's The Case Against the Sexual Revolution. Mm. Okay. Same
0: talking points, even.
1: And, yeah, Mrs. Perry really... uh, She's persuasive. Mm -hmm. She wrote it primarily for women, so what does that say about my mindset? (laughs) But... It... It really distorts how uh, particularly young men... View women when they have a porn, porn addiction, and it's extremely addictive. Yeah, <laughs> and it's free, and it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. But let me ask you this, Dave: um, What demographic has launched the most, like pretty much all of, and the most violent revolutions in human history?
0: What demographic? Yes. Uh, it's, I'm not sure what you're getting at. So. Young,
1: restless, unmarried men.
0: Oh, okay, well.
1: So, uh, I
0: didn't know about the whole unmarried thing, but young, restless men, yeah, I can believe that. Yeah, easily.
1: typically unmarried. The, oh. the, the, the frustration of denial of sex is, uh, palpable. Yeah. To most young men. Yeah. So... <coughs> hell i just real real, real quick mm-hmm.
0: um we should probably preface this i'm going to pre- well i don't know what your answer to this is but i want to know um are, are we dipping into apologies, uh, uh, apologizing for incels here are we are,
1: are we getting into that territory no okay good no i'm not good no i'm not apologizing for incels it it's more like get your fucking act together get out there yeah Bucko. mm mhm Am I quoting Peterson without knowing it? Is oh that oh yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. well fuck. Oh, oh, oh yeah. If if look at a uh look at pre internet. Porn was actually pretty hard to get a hold of. It was it was fairly rare.
0: Well, I think pre internet most of it was, you know, smut magazines. That's pretty much it.
1: Yeah, the actual video stuff, I mean you kinda had to wait till your parents were out of state. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it was. God help you if they found it.
0: It was magazines that you likely inherited from your dad, which is weird to me. Stole. <laughs> Stole. Yeah, I'm still gonna say inherited because that's kind of what happens, really.
1: Okay, that's fair. Now you don't have to hide anything because it's already easily hidden in the in the series of tubes that is the internet. Mm-hmm. Just pop on incognito mode. <laughs> there you go. So you look at – if you look at, at the average marriage rate right now and compare it to any other time in human history, we are well past due for a revolution. <laughs> it You start to have serious – and I mean serious civil unrest right around when the average age of marriage is around 24,
3: 25.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, good God. We're probably in the 30s. We're 27, hit. 28. Okay.
1: And I think porn's the thank for that. For the lack really? of violence we've seen. Yes.
0: I feel like it's a multivariate issue. I don't think you can lay that down. I'm
1: not saying that it's entirely, you know, porn.
0: I don't even feel like it's mostly porn's I, fault. I,
1: it, fault. I, this is kind of... Thank you for not sending us into a violent revolution.
0: Oh. Is uh, what
1: I'm saying here.
0: You're thanking porn for that? Yes. Okay. Because what... But you also think it needs to be restricted.
1: Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, it's, like I said, this is a more complicated thing than most of my opinions, really. <laughs> <laughs> if we didn't have it around, we'd probably have had a violent revolution, say, four or five years ago.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, but I what, think COVID would have done it.
1: <laughs> so three years ago? Yeah, if not five wow, years It's ago. weird to think that COVID was the start of covid was three years ago yeah well it also
0: lasted for at least two years
1: i don't know it kind of went out the window once ukraine got invaded
0: (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah we all stopped giving a shit thankfully yeah
1: but what's what's going to be easier for someone to just okay i'm going to actually have to get off my ass and go protest or pick up a rifle and shoot someone or i could just sit here and crank it to some of the hottest women in the world
0: and also uh, just vent my frustration about the other stuff on the Internet. Yeah. You know, instead of actually having to do anything, which that's, uh, you know, that happens in that realm, too. But it also happens with, uh, yeah, you're bleeding. Yeah, it happens. Um, but it also happens with, and I noticed this a lot, especially during COVID and BLM and all that stuff, where it was like, boy, you, if you were on the Internet, you would, think, you would think that every liberal you knew was out in the streets. Mm-hmm. And I really took a close look at that. And it was like, no, no, I'd say about 10%, maybe, of the pe- of the left-leaning people I knew were actually out during the protests.
1: Remember, this is also Indianapolis.
0: Right. Well, I'm talking about the people I know on the internet wide. So this is okay. not just Indianapolis people. Uh, and I think I told you one time I do. I, one of the people I remember in specific was uh, was really talking up all this revolution, revolution, revolution. Support the you know support mm-hmm. the the black population and like you would have thought he was out there you know with with a gun protesting uh, all this stuff, ready to just fuck shit
1: up. He saw what happened to the guy in Austin.
0: And then <laughs> I saw him. Somebody asked somebody. One of his friends said, "Hey, I'm going out to the to the to the protest downtown tonight. Uh, do you, you want to come? I know you've been really blah blah blah." And he was like. No man, I can't. My social anxiety is way too high, but I'm right behind you. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. You joke of a human being. Hell, I was pla I was actually thinking about going down.
1: Oh, uh the the podcast The Lotus Eaters did a fun little social experiment. Mm-hmm. They they posted a question on Twitter, which was if you were an American communist. Do you own a gun? And if not, why not? <laughs> and most of the American communists said, no, I don't own a gun. And a lot of the answers were basically because mm-hmm. they're scary.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, that's something you can look forward to Modern with modern communists. They're too afraid to own guns, so they're not really that
1: scary. <laughs> right. Whatever happened to Under No Pretext?
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: But, yeah, um... And and going off the porn thing, like, I am so glad I'm not dating. That looks awful. I think the modern dating market is the worst it's ever been.
0: It's getting better. In my experience, it's getting better because I am still single and I am still looking. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I feel more comfortable now than I did even last year. Because I think people are just calming the fuck down out of out of compulsion because they're tired of being miserable all the time. Well, that's good. You know, I think that's why we've seen a, 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 a cool down in the tensions between the left and the right, too. And when I go out, because I go out even on my own pretty often and just talk to random people all the time. I love doing that. And my experience has been, I'll talk to people who identify as liberal even or even progressive. And... They're complaining about shit that we were complaining about on the center for years, with the same talking points, the same arguing points. They're tired of. of I've never of been
1: on in the center.
0: <laughs> the, they're tired of the contention. They're Don't tired put me of in fighting about. <laughs> they're tired of fighting about everything. I mean, they're 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 looking at things through a more reasonable lens than they used to, because it burned really hot too fast. And I remember talking with you and Carolyn about this. And I was saying something like, I, I don't think it can last. It's unsustainable. People are going to get tired of this. And, and we're just naturally going to float back to at least a general desire to be somewhat respectful toward each other. Just for peace of mind, for God's sake. And that seems to be where we're going.
1: So, mm. Well, I hope that's where we're going.
0: That's, for me anyway, that's been the real feel out in public.
1: But that that's the dating market. That's that's infla- affecting the dating market? I think so. Okay. I think it is. I mean, the stats don't bear that out. <laughs> if you were to make uh, Well, this is literally presence, within the you... last
0: year or two, so we're not going to see stats on it really.
1: Oh no, this 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 is a statistic from 2 years ago.
0: Well, I know, but what I'm saying is it's going to take time for through that to catch up.
1: Right. The, if if Tinder were a country and you were to apply it to the um, – god, I want to – it's not FICO score. It's um, – there's, there's a, a measure in macroeconomics of inequality of a nation. Mm. And it's scored between one and zero.
0: Yeah, that's not FICO.
1: Where one, one person has all the wealth mm-hmm. in the entire country. Zero, everyone has an, a perfectly equal distribution of the wealth.
0: I thought you said it was between one and ten.
1: No, it's from between one and zero.
0: Okay. Not sure why they chose that. But R01. All zero
1: right. one. Um, if if Tinder were a nation and sex was the wealth, Tinder would be the second most unequal country in the world, <laughs> beat only by South Africa.
0: Mm. Hmm.
1: Venezuela is less unequal than Tinder.
0: <laughs> the pornrito distribution.
1: Yes. Well, this is just—it's not necessarily porn, but sex.
0: Well, yeah, but it is a Pareto distribution of sex.
1: I mean, if you're saying point zero one percent gets ninety percent of the sex.
0: Yeah, okay. that's what the but that's what the Pareto distribution is. It's a small group of people get end up getting most of the resources of of some kind. All right. Yeah, that's that's it's, it's sort of a natural. Occurrence in in almost every field that we, as far as I know, almost every field we've studied the Pareto distribution on. When it comes to resources, uh, including money and all that kind of stuff, that's what happens. Even in entertainment, a very small group of people uh, create most of the content. Comparatively Mm -hmm. small group of people. A comparatively small group of uh, musicians get signed make music win awards i mean it's 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 a tiny percentage
1: how long does that have to take to manifest
0: from like nothing uh hell i don't know
1: from you i
0: mean you'd have to you'd have to you'd have to be able to track it back to the the like the the start of an entire industry if we were talking about music you know
1: well we can track that for uh dating apps well that's true that's true (laughs) And it it wasn't too long ago, like ten years ago, where oh, you met in a dating app. That's that's friggin' weird.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Unsafe. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was yeah. unsafe. Are you crazy? You're putting your personal <laughs> information on the net because mm-hmm. they call it the net. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now most people meet via dating apps, not through friends, mm-hmm. not through social network, or not through traditional social networks. Yeah it's through dating apps which are some of the most toxic places on the planet
0: having been on a few of them yeah 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 i can see that
1: i mean everything you are is boiled down to an attractiveness number on Tinder, an algorithm
0: yeah well see it's funny some of them really try to avoid that but you still have to have pictures
1: yeah it still happens
0: there's no dating site i've ever seen that isn't uh that doesn't feature the picture immediately first mm-hmm. and as the primary primary thing. I mean, they all have uh, sections for per, like personality questions, preferences, all that kind of stuff. They all, they all you have. You like those. dags? <laughs> <laughs> what? Dags. You like dags? Oh, you mean dogs?
1: Caravan. Better Week Blue.
0: So <laughs> do <laughs> Yeah, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so we're 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 talking about porn and the negative effects on society and uh and marriage and all that stuff. And
1: then transitioning to the dating thing and how that it I'm so glad I'm not in that market. <laughs> that that sound that sounds like a personal hell.
0: Well, look. I think a lot of it at least for a few years prior to this, like I said, it seems like it's gotten better over the last year. But a lot of it was, you had the Me Too movement didn't help, and uh, because what you ended up with were a lot of guys that were that became afraid, and I can understand this, became afraid to approach women.
1: Yeah, when you've seen like a seventeen-year-old kid get arrested for yeah approaching a woman and like putting his hand on her shoulder. Yeah. After he read in a book that hey, that's that might help put her at ease.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: He's he's following the advice of a professional dating coach, and he goes to jail. Mm-hmm. Um.
0: Well, <laughs> he's like, you ever toot that fucking flute again? <laughs>
1: I'm gonna toot this flute.
0: <laughs> but yeah, and I, I I and I remember I remember talking to a lot of guys about that. And These were normal, you know, well meaning guys that me, meant well enough. But weren't maybe particularly attractive. And that's really what it boils down to. And even women acknowledge this. It's like, if you're attractive, you can get away with a lot of the shit that you would, you know,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: maybe get get a 17-year-old arrested for if she didn't find you attractive. That hand on the shoulder is either romantic or creepy.
1: In in any professional setting, I actively try to avoid working with women. Mm -hmm. I really do. I don't. Because of that kind of thing. I don't care. I do. <laughs> I have a lot of people that depend on me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If I get if I get fired over something stupid like that, just the allegation ruins my life. I don't. No, I, I'll, I'll, I'll call me naive. But. I'll be I'll be Mike Pence on that one. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to drinks or dinner to anyone with anyone who isn't my wife alone. Yeah, I don't care about that either. You call me
0: walk. naive. Well, I mean, just call me naive. But uh, you know, I, I, to me, it's like I don't think I'm a son of a bitch. I don't think I'm creepy, I, and I, I, have never had a problem, like, putting a hand on a girl's shoulder to say I want to walk past, or or to say excuse me, or any of those things. And I've had times where girls have uh, have complained of. Not creepiness, that's going too far, but maybe being uncomfortable with it, and I was just like, all right well, sorry, I didn't mean to make you uncomfortable, and then I'll go on with my life. you know i don't it doesn't bother me to have those types of run-ins with 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 girls because to me, it's like, look, I know what I felt and what I meant in that moment, and it was nothing nefarious, so you're on your own if if you're if you're going to try and push that. I don't know it just doesn't bother me i don't i I don't pay any mind to it.
1: You sweet summer child.
0: <laughs> <laughs> maybe there will be a time where I end up getting in trouble and going to jail. Because maybe you end
1: up me, dude. Especially <laughs> if you want to go to Hollywood. Well, you know. <laughs> And you're a conservative. Going to Hollywood.
0: I'm not sure if I'm a conservative or not. I'm certainly not progressive. That is for damn sure. But I think I probably fall pretty reasonably in the in the classical liberal camp. I feel that that that's a pretty comfortable place for me because when we're, as an example when we're talking about things when we're talking about things like porn to me it's like i actually agree with all of those those types of arguments that it it's been an absolute detriment to have the a prevalence of free internet porn mm-hmm. it has been an absolute detriment to 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 society to western society at the very least but probably global society um but at the same time it's like i don't want to restrict people from being able to make it if they consent if they consent to make it
1: See, I don't, I don't think consent is the, I I think consent is a necessary but insufficient condition for any, for something to be moral. And even then, I'm, I'm even questioning on the, on the consent aspect of it. Mm -hmm. I think, I, I think a lot of modern morality is based off this idea of consent. And I think that's the wrong way to go about, about this. I think that, that can cause quite a bit more harm. Like, like you're the, gonna
0: want to break that down.
1: hmm I'm gonna do my best. Okay. But we can we can look at look at porn and well, you know they're consenting to it, yeah. But you're also f- ruining the minds of an entire generation. Your your average twelve year old has seen more naked women than the most brutal warlord in history.
0: <laughs> See, that's like pulled straight from Peterson, like that exact point. I swear to God, I heard him say that.
1: I don't know. I'm not trying to channel the man, and I haven't. The last thing that I saw that Peterson was in was how to. Or what is a woman? Mm. And he was actually only in that relatively. briefly, exactly. <laughs> by compar- comparison. That's what I'm saying. And if I'm channeling him, it's by pure mistake, or
0: it's because he's become one with the collective unconscious.
1: <laughs> That's not
0: true at all. <laughs> so, so what went through my head? Peterson where, is the freak as <laughs> a way to young in psychology.
1: You know the uh, the that that thing, uh, Cerebro. Doctor X from the X Men. Yes, Doctor Xavier. You know he gets into it and he puts it on, except. It's Peterson, and he walks up, he sits down, and he puts a lobster on his head. <laughs>
2: <and then laughs> taps into the collective unconscious. <laughs>
0: that's great. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: that, that's what popped in my head. Okay.
0: But yeah, so b- break this down. Um, <clears throat> This this issue that you have with consent.
1: I'm not saying that, that that consent is irrelevant, right? But it is not the the chief concern of of something being moral. How do you? You can consent to a lot of awful shit. Yeah. That will okay. do you and a bunch of other people a lot of harm.
0: See, it's the bunch of other people. That's a, that's an important point. If it does you harm. Okay, you made that decision. Now, nothing that harms you only harms you. To be fair. Yes. But if it only physically harms you, I think that is a good enough place to draw the line. It's like you know, if it only physically harms you, even if it emotionally harms other people, you know what? I'm sorry to those other people, but you, you gotta have you gotta have agency. You gotta have I, autonomy. I think
1: the I think the question there when it when it's well, you know, if they're consenting to it, it basically comes down to well, where's the harm in it?
0: No, that's not what it comes down to. Uh,
1: well, what else are you really asking?
0: <laughs> the o- what I'm saying is the only I mean, thing you're... that matters in those situations is that somebody had the agency to make their own decision, and uh, morally I think we need to, to uphold
1: that. All right, should we not send prisoners to prison? Or should we not send people who are convicted of crimes to prison? They're not consenting to it.
0: Well, no, but it's the nature of the crime that d- d- dictates whether or not they go
1: to prison. Yeah, but how they don't. Long. They really don't want to go to prison.
0: Well, that doesn't matter in that situation well, the, because well, it's ba- let me finish. Mm-hmm. Because it's based on a crime. It's not just prison. Like that's not the only. That's not the only thing involved in that. Well,
1: why is the crime important?
0: Because it's the nature of what they did and who who they harmed. That's what it's about. That's the basis of it.
1: So consent's not key here for this to be moral.
0: Well, you're looking at the wrong source. You're looking at the wrong foundation when you're asking me that question, because the foundation of that is the nature of the crime, not the fact that they're being sent to prison. They're being sent to prison because they committed a crime. What was the crime? That's what matters.
1: Well... All right, statutory rape. Okay. 14-year-old consented. Mm-hmm. Should that be allowed?
0: No, because I do think we need a. Now this does, it does get a little hairy here. We need to be able to establish at what point a person is um, mentally developed enough to be able to make good decisions for themselves. And that's a that's a, that's a hairy area. But I think we can answer that question reasonably well with 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 empirical biological neurological
1: evidence. I think that's pretty reasonable. So take that as a case by case basis. No, not necessarily. Well, I mean, everyone develops at a different rate. We can prove that empirically.
0: Yeah, but not to the degree that some people, you know, sexually mature at I don't know, thirteen versus thirty. Like that doesn't happen. Not at least not very often.
1: <laughs> well, no, we're we're not. I mean, I mean, why not? Why not fourteen? Why not fifteen? We can. We can look at their brains and well, compare that's them why, to other people. Well, th-
0: that's why the age of consent isn't until you get to usually between 16 and 18. Depending on what state you're living right.
1: in. Indiana is one of the weird ones mm-hmm. where we have 16. Yeah. <laughs> Some states it's 16, but you have to be 18 to engage, in, to engage in homosexual activity, which is
0: weird to me. A
1: little bit.
0: Yeah. Um, not that the homosexual activity is weird to me, although that's weird to me, but that's a me thing. It's that you have that difference in the age gap.
1: I think it's like, a bit weird from a biological perspective. It's like there's no evolutionary advantage. How is this still here? That's a bit well, strange.
0: I've thought about that, too, and it's like, well, there must be – I would imagine there must be something to it if we're just going with strict evolutionary biology or whatever. Like maybe it's a, 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 a one of those like long game um, uh, evolutionary counter um, – What's a good word for that? Counter forces? I don't really know mm-hmm. what to call it. You know, when we get to a point where we're populating very quickly and resources may, it may seem that resources are getting scarce. I don't know. You, you kind of get what I'm going at here. It's like maybe when a yeah, population gets but... so large, you start to see more of that in, the, in the, the biology of that particular creature. But I don't know of any support for that theory at all. No,
1: the closest you could look at would be the... Uh... The Mouse Calhoun experiments, and that wasn't so much species-wide as it was mm. society-wide.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, homosexuality, I mean, you do see it in more species than just human, very clearly. So, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I'm not knowledgeable enough mm. on it. Um, but, I mean, as far as that kind of stuff goes, to me, it's like... Yeah, two consenting adults doing something that doesn't harm anyone other than maybe themselves and homosexuality doesn't necessarily do that. So I'm not I'm not trying to make that equivalency. But um if you have two consenting adults they should be able to do whatever they want with each other. And okay, fine.
1: Including murder and cannibalism. Excuse me. Homicide and cannibalism.
0: This may be where I'm at least currently on the extreme. Uh yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm, no. No, that's...
0: If if, if if one party gets consented,
1: to, where consents the, to being eaten... Where is the good in that?
0: That's not a question that's of concern to me in a situation like that. You are responsible for your own decisions. If that means you consented to being eaten, that's on you, pal.
1: I mean... I'm not it, forgiving. It seems to me that, like, you know, you you guys should probably, like, I don't know, get therapy.
0: Yeah, maybe, but that's not this, my damn business.
1: The, <laughs> If, 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 that's one of those... Okay, are you determined of... Have you been determined of sound mind? Uh, that, I don't know. Mm-mm. No, if... if Yeah, I want, I want to be eaten while being fucked. And no. Mm-mm. Nope. No, that's not good. There's no good that's coming out of that.
0: I agree, but it's also not my life and none of my business.
1: It's going to become someone's business. So it's if it's, it's become, not
0: consensual, yeah, it's going to no. Even if it
1: is consensual, it's going to become someone else's business.
0: Yeah. Well, that person. Okay. Maybe you're saying maybe maybe like a a, a sister or a brother or something of the person that consented to being eaten,
1: right? And taxpayer money is going to go towards the investigation of this whole thing because it's going to come out eventually.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. That that's costing everybody something here, man.
0: I mean, we do that with every other investigation.
1: Yeah. But this one's consensual, but that—that's apparently okay now.
0: <laughs> There's a difference between something being okay and something being legal. Like to me, this all centers around like my my, my fundamental axiom here. So you're going to say that it's okay, but it, but it should time. be illegal. No, I'm saying the opposite of that. Or it should be legal, but I don't think it's okay. Okay. It, it, mm. Did people who had a choice in the matter? agreed for this event to take place
1: all right pal you made your decision
0: none of my business I'm not
1: going to try to so force
0: my morals into that situation consent, ha-
1: consent has no limits as long as being as long as as long as two adults are consenting to it it's perfectly fine
0: well it has limits in in that if it starts to harm other people in ways that are otherwise illegal then yeah You've crossed the line.
1: So, two people in the suicide pact decide to blow each other up with rocket launchers. There and are things one, that no are gets about that. No one gets hurt, though. Property so is damaged, fine.
0: so somebody gets hurt. Yeah,
1: but it's public property. Who cares? It's taxpayers. Well, it's still it's just taxpayer money being wasted.
0: Well, it's still illegal to destroy public property with a rocket launcher.
1: With sniper rifles in the middle of the street. That's perfectly fine. Better. Both can both consented to it.
0: <laughs> Better, but still I would say no reckless. No crime, no crime committed and, here. Reckless endangerment.
1: No, they're per, they're expert marksmen. Everyone knows it.
0: I mean, I guess if they if if that's how the case shakes out, okay. And they
1: intentionally use frangible ammunition to avoid overpenetration.
0: Yeah, okay. I mean, my only concern in that situation is how
1: much other people were put in danger. Now, what if they do it in front of a school? Reckless endangerment. No, the guns They're, aren't even pointed. It's what they knew exactly what they were doing. There's no can, recklessness to it. That too. can I, still
0: be reckless endangerment.
1: Well, if you're going to apply that, then you're going anything you're going, can be reckless endangerment. If
0: you're going 75 in a school zone, but you're going on the road. You're not driving into the yard of the school. Yeah, there you That's go. Still I've, reckless and dangerous. I've seen
1: plenty of people do that. Yeah, and they, and they get don't. And, over and they don't get it. pulled over for it.
0: Sometimes they do, but yeah, it doesn't happen often. No, I've seen cops that. watch it happen and do nothing. Mm-hmm. Several times, actually. It's very frustrating. But yeah, no, I, I just I'm sorry. It's not my job to to save you from yourself. I'm not getting. I'm not getting into that. I'm not getting pulled into those weeds. None of my business. If it starts harming people. Or endangers people that did not consent to be involved in that situation, yes, you've got a you've got a problem. But outside of that, nope, you it's on you, buddy.
2: Mm.
1: No, I I
0: I've not heard an argument against it that is sufficient for me. Every okay. argument I've heard against Fair it is enough. But morally I disagree. Well, okay. Can you make an argument for it? That holds up.
1: I just, I don't like the idea that... There it is. Yeah, fine. That as long as no one's being hurt, it's perfectly acceptable.
0: Legally acceptable. you got to make that distinction, because it has to do with respecting your autonomy.
1: Well, here's the thing, you you know, it might not... Culture has a way of infecting policy, and vice versa. Okay. if you build a culture where everything is permissible as long as no one gets hurt, you're going to end up with laws that really start to reflect all this.
0: It's not everything is permissible as long as nobody gets hurt. It's individual autonomy is protected as long as you do not hurt or endanger, needless, needlessly endanger other people.
1: Okay. Anything is permissible as long as you, you no one is hurt or endangered. That's... That's that's the culture you're trying to build there. That's a really, really general
0: and vague axiom, we'll say. So I'm inclined because it it rings of, of, of absolutism, which rubs me the wrong way. But I would say as a general rule, yes.
1: I do not want to live in the culture that would breed at all.
0: Okay, so what do you do in a situation like that?
1: I don't know. Hey, fucking stop. Why? State my case. This is bad for everyone involved. This is bad for this to exist anywhere near people. Why? These people should get help.
0: By what authority do you make that determination?
1: You will, It erodes its very fabric that holds a society together. If you want to have a society and not just an anarchic kill zone or, I don't know, decadent circus. You need to impose some some pretty strict limits on human behavior. And this is being drawn from Locke in the social contract. You give up some of your, some of your freedoms to uh, have have, be protected in other ways.
0: I once heard you say, and this is recently, very recently, that you mm-hmm. do believe that people should have the right to punch their own clock. Yes. Why does it matter what method they use to do that?
1: I'm going to have to think about that. Give me give me a week or so.
0: Because cannibalism is, is a way of doing that. Now, it is a grotesque um, method for doing it. Admittedly, I think most people would agree to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would be my, that would be my strongest question to you is why does it matter what method they use, especially if they're in the privacy of their own home or somebody else's home and they both consented to that situation. So, I mean, and you got to remember that if something like that happens in an apartment building that you live in and it's legal and most people know it's legal, most people are going to look at that and like, well, that's really fucking disgusting and weird, but well, so be it, I guess. With
1: suicide, there's no way to enforce it.
0: And Not if you're successful, no.
1: Right. there, And that's that's my biggest reason why there's no sense in passing
0: mm-hmm.
1: anything and why that is an actual right. Yeah. Uh, one of the few things that I would actually recognize as a human right. Yeah, and I do too. <clears throat> a lot of the things that people do recognize as human rights, I I really don't. Um, but, yeah, punching your own ticket, there's no way to – committing suicide for those who aren't clued in. Mm-hmm. Oh, you killed yourself. We're going to send you to prison now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Somebody get this dead body out of my cell. Can I have another fucking cell, please? (laughs) Uh, I don't know, man. He's got another 30 years.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, corpsey, shower time. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
0: No, what? No, no. no. We've we, we've decided this is going to be an ad-free episode of the <laughs> arbitrarium where we just keep going. We just march forward. <laughs> but if we're going to do that, let's see how yeah, let's see how long we've been at this. Oh God, probably about an hour. Yeah, uh, we will
1: stop for a smoke break.
0: Okay, just we're not no commercials. I'm just gonna. It's going to be like no time passed for you at all.
1: All right, now that we've uh, had a cigarette and refreshed our beverages, what are you drinking tonight, Dave?
0: Uh, somewhat of a new concoction. It's basically a Jack and Coke, but I added sweet vermouth and, uh, Angostura bitters. It's
1: actually pretty tasty. You can call it a Dave and Coke.
0: <laughs> but there's Jack in
1: it. I'll think of a name for it. A Jack and Dave. Um. <laughs> Jack and the Dave. little whiskey. <laughs> I'm drinking just a, a, a pretty weak Jack and Coke. I got It
0: It is pretty weak. I saw. I saw the whiskey in there.
1: I got a sleep later. <laughs> Contrary to popular belief, I do in fact sleep.
0: Yes. So we were uh, when we left off, we were basically still kind of talking about, well I was actually asking you to break down your um, this idea, this issue of consent, and we kind of went down that rabbit hole for a little bit, but as we were outside taking a break, we thought maybe we'll sort of change course a little bit for the second half of this episode. I, and
1: I think, haven't thought about a little bit of that. I think one of my, one of my issues with consent is it pushes the acceptance of vice as well as it's, it's not, you know, they want to do it so we, we should just accept that they do it instead of, no, that's a vice and they shouldn't do it and we all know they shouldn't do it and we should tell them they shouldn't do that because it's bad for them. Like porn or smoking or drinking excessively. You know, these these are vices.
0: Okay, Dr. Cocteau.
1: Fair. <laughs> but you can accept that something's a vice and not ban it.
0: Yes, and that is where I stand. Literally right in that space. But that when, is that is when, my philosophy. When a
1: vice becomes excessive, I I think it's just, it those who actually love those people should, sta- should step in and say, wait, I, I don't want to see you destroy yourself.
0: Do you think a person should have, um, should have the legal right to force an alcoholic into AA?
1: God, I wish I could.
0: That's why I asked.
1: Yeah. I wish I could.
0: Do you think it should be legal to do that, though, to force someone into a recovery situation that they're unwilling to to take on? Would it help them if they were unwilling?
1: If if you had a legal mechanism where you could plead your case to the court, something along the lines of a lawsuit, not criminal law,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. yeah, I'd be okay with that.
0: Now there are situations where that can be done.
1: But yes, but only when they're when they're threatening self harm or the harm of others.
0: Exactly. And for me, that is a good line. But you I know, think that's.
1: But for some reason, drinking oneself to death does not count as self harm, and I don't understand why.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Well, because it's I think it's probably because it's so damn difficult to 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 judge properly. Like at what point. At what point are they actually drinking themselves to death? Where, where, when does that line get drawn? That, how do you enforce something like that?
1: Mandated rehab, but
0: well, that's after no, that is
1: the you. You were taught that it that that is the that's how you enforce that. You asked how the, how you enforce that. That's how you enforce that. How do you draw that line? Right, that's where it comes to a case to case basis on on a like a civil lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, lawsuits are. Contrary to popular belief, they don't follow criminal law. There's no, there is a a uh, standard of evidence, but it's not beyond a reasonable doubt, which well, is crime, which is criminal law. You have preponderance of evidence, right. which is civil lawsuit.
0: Well, there's actually a maybe a better analog for this conversation, um, illicit drug use, because many and people have made this argument where it's like, no, if you people should be free to use illicit drugs if they are making that decision. On their own, and they're not harming anyone else. There are people who make that that argument. Mm-hmm. Now, admittedly, I up until this point, I've never even considered possibly, like, where would I have to stand on that based on what I've said? And I'm probably going to need more time to think about that.
1: I mean, you've but, seen someone in the throes of heroin addiction.
0: Oh, yeah. it's It's a nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare.
1: It's up there with things you wouldn't wish on 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 an, I wouldn't say worst enemy because I would wish that on my worst <laughs> enemy. I'm not going to say I'm a I'm a saint. I am rather vindictive when I need to be, okay. When I want to be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when do you need to be
1: in a firefight? Okay, yeah, fair <laughs>
0: enough. I understand that. I like to naively believe that you don't have to feel vindiction when in a firefight, <laughs> but I've not been in one so. I'll reserve my judgment on that.
1: Well, the vindictive part was what caused the firefight. Yeah. Well, you know, someone blows I, up a truck full of diesel fuel outside a madrasa. Right. Um, I, I felt perfectly justified in having the re- the fury of God fill me.
0: Yeah. Well, you know me and the arguments that I made on that. It's like I I would like to believe, and I do think this is the most virtuous way to go about it, where you can acknowledge the necessity of, of violence in those ways without. Um, Feeling joy in doing it in enacting it, the regret of its necessity to me that is virtuous, yeah, but I also won't judge someone who's in a situation like that and who goes after that person for in a war especially in a war situation for for personal reasons i can't I cannot in good conscience judge someone particularly harshly for that,
1: yeah, you know you, you get the regret later,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Never did on that one. Anyway. So well, again,
0: that that particular situation is one, and we've talked about this, where it's like, you know, you, you regret that you had to do it, but you you still acknowledge that it needed to be done.
1: That particular one?
0: Okay, well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of, real quickly. Settle that, yeah. Kind of lay out... My, my hypothesis of, of natural rights and that they don't exist outside of, a, outside of very, very few. Mm-hmm. So what we often think of is like the basics of natural rights, as passed down to us from, from the Enlightenment thinkers, are life, liberty, and property, not pursuit of happiness. That, that, was, a, that was an invention of the uh, Declaration of Independence.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <coughs> and I don't think those are natural rights.
0: We get, I want to reiterate this just so the listeners are very clear that we are distinguishing natural rights from civil rights in this moment, in this conversation. Yes. Yeah.
1: So, a natural right is something that you you have. Just mm-hmm. and by, by virtue of your existence, you have this right. Yeah. Life. Let's start with the, that first one. Do mm-hmm. you have a right to life?
0: Naturally, no. No. no.
1: No. no you you can let me let me drop you in the Canadian Rockies
0: mm-hmm.
1: with with just a just just a knife and some pants and a shirt and and when a, when, a, when a Kodiak grizzly comes at you what is going to help you in that situation? S- telling the grizzly that you shouldn't be eaten a
0: well-designed we c- protest sign.
1: Right, because right. you have you have the natural right to life. With a pun. Those help. Mm-hmm. Yes, you with a pun. pun.
0: And if it rhymes, even better.
1: Hey, hey, ho, ho. This here bear's got to go. <laughs> this here bear's just got to go. Thank you. Mm. The cadence seemed off. A mm-hmm. That bear's going to eat your ass. What might help you maybe, possibly <laughs> is is making the knife into a spear maybe (laughs) (laughs) you have the right to defend your life no one can take that away from you
3: yeah
1: you have you you can try to attempt to defend your life it might be in vain but you still have the right to try that 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 can't be taken away
3: yeah
1: (laughs) even if you were in absolute chains you can scream you can do anything to attempt to save your own existence Mm -hmm. but you don't have the right to that existence yeah to life. No, you can well, scream like, at the ocean while you are drowning, and it still will ignore you.
0: <laughs> right. Well, it's like it's like you said like, when we were talking about outside. We could we can boil this down to your natural rights are what you can secure and protect for yourself. Yes. And that's it. I, and yeah, I am with you on that. If we are distinguishing natural rights, yes, absolutely, because you can like that. That's demonstrable. That's to me. That's enough to say it's empirical.
1: Liberty. That's the next one. You have a right to liberty. No. No, for the same reasons. mm Mm-hmm. You can can be placed in chains and scream about your liberty or trapped by a boulder and scream that you need to be free.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, it will be ignored. Yeah. Property.
0: All the same reasons. Mm Mm-hmm. Anything that we try to mention beyond what we defined as what you can secure and protect for yourself, they're going to be, no, you don't have a natural right to that for those same reasons.
1: Yeah, and when it really, when it really comes down to it, the, the only rights that you have are the ones that you are willing to fight, die, and kill for. Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to do that, then you don't have those rights.
0: I would say you still technically have them. You're just not exercising them.
1: They're there. Well, no, no. You, those aren't those aren't rights now. They're privileges. I mean that you because give yourself that they exist at the behest, at the behest of other people. Someone you, someone can just. Yeah, okay. I don't I don't like this liberty thing that you got going on. I don't like your property, so I'm just gonna come take it.
0: Yeah, but you forfeited it and you at any given moment still have a right to you can still take you can still revoke that at any time.
1: Naturally. Revoke what? I, I when, when you got, when you lost here.
0: When you when you uh, forfeit those. You're saying once you forfeit those things you're not willing to fight for them anymore, then you no longer have those rights. It's like uh, maybe, maybe practically, but naturally you still have them. You're just not exercising them. And if you forfeit those to some other group of people,
1: well, no, it's not a forfeiture. It's not a forfeiture. If if you, you say
0: you're unwilling to do it, and then someone else has taken, has come in and said, "All right, well, then I'll do it for you."
1: Well, if someone's doing it for you, well, then you've 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 still got some measure of protection against it. You're just you're 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 outsourcing the the fighting dying and killing okay to someone else
0: if you're unwilling to what i'm struggling with here is you said if you're unwilling to fight for those things then you no longer have a right to them
1: yeah if you show an absolute just unwillingness yeah i'm not i'm not going to fight for these things then you don't have them
0: yeah that's true yeah, okay maybe that's we're I mean mixing up here, unwilling
1: like if if you just if you kind of like all right you're not actively thinking about it you're not actively fighting for it at at those times that doesn't mean you're you're unwilling to
3: mm.
1: as long if you are willing to do these things then you have them now you you might lose in the attempt but at least you're going to give the other person pause who who's looking to take your life to take your liberty take your property.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And
1: the whole pursuit of happiness that's another thing that can't be taken away. Someone burning at a stake can pursue happiness.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Monks do it. <laughs> so, I mean, they they're not on well, they Are not on a stake. Maybe the stake makes a difference. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to commit symbolic suicide. Yes, but do you have a stake? <laughs> Well, Sorry, no steak, no virtue. <laughs>
1: <clears throat> so, well, people might be uh, might be wondering, Garrett, Garrett, but what, what about the what about the, Constitu-? ah, the Constitution? Ah, <laughs> Constitution. Now, now we're no we're no he just longer be-
0: became uh, Jeff Goldblum there. Ah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> I have a picture of him up here somewhere.
0: He's Is holding a baby Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's the ramp. Oh, it's packed. Mm.
1: It's packed. Um, I'm in the middle of moving, for those who don't know. So, Gary, when you're talking about things that are enshrined in law, as you have the right to vote, you have the right to a fair trial, or a speedy trial, mm. hopefully a fair one. These are not natural rights. These are civic rights.
0: There are civic rights, but... To be fair, somebody somewhere at some point fought so that you would have them because exactly. if they didn't, you wouldn't.
1: Right. But they're, they're not natural. Yeah. The the only natural rights you have are, are attempts.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like you don't have a right to water. You have the right to seek water. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doesn't mean you'll you'll succeed, you don't have the right to succeed at that. Right so that that i I guess this is the bone I have to pick with with enlightenment thinkers. granted, they're coming from a far less secular age than us. Mm-hmm. That's all I really had to say there, and that's all I have to say about that. And okay. that's how the human manifesto crumbles. <laughs>
0: Not your best Walter Cronkite.
1: Uh, there's a little bit too much Nixon in that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not that's the way the cookie crumbles.
1: So uh, what else is going on in the world? Didn't didn't like a bunch of, uh, bunch of animated shows just sh- get shut down? Yeah, so one of the
0: things we were going to do, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, we were going to try to change directions a little bit on things that were happening and talk about um, entertainment media. And uh, we actually have a good segue for that right now, which is the existence, much to the chagrin of everyone, of uh, a series called Velma, Handle the <laughs> Producer. <laughs> uh, so the segue here is that we kind of went from um, socio-political issues mm-hmm. to uh, hopefully talking about... To some uh,
1: philosophical issues. To
0: some philosophical issues, but in moving into and hopefully talking about some entertainment media issues.
1: And why do we care about entertainment media? I'll tell you why I care about this. Okay. Entertainment influences culture. Culture oh, is yeah. <laughs> culture is upstream of politics. This is why I care about entertainment. Mm-hmm. I ap- I don't watch a lot of it. I actually hate most of the people that produce it. <laughs> but I care about it because it influences culture.
0: Yeah. It's the same reason I care about philosophy. And philosophy I, is is at the from what I can tell, philosophy seems to be at the, at the tip of the mountain. If, if the river of culture seems to begin at philosophy, mm. some intellectual son of a bitch somewhere said something, and people in the education system usually start teaching it, and then people start believing it, and those people take that shit everywhere they go.
1: <laughs> and often misunderstand it. Yes. Yeah.
0: But I haven't been able to find anything that has, has rested itself above philosophy in terms of where does everything where does human thought begin and then how does it spider out into every other part of human of human life?
1: Metheus, the, the Greek god of thought.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See, and then I thought, Prometheus. What's the opposite of Prometheus? Epimetheus. Well yeah, Epimetheus.
1: That's that 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 was his brother.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: Mm. <laughs> <clears throat> so, Velma. <laughs> yeah. Uh all right, so I've not watched a single episode of it.
0: I've watched 3 and they're all really bad.
1: What makes it so bad, Dave? Tell us.
0: I've done I've already done a review on it and I'm loathe to spend a lot of time on it again cuz as at least one commenter pointed out, my review is longer than the episode. <laughs>
1: Um to be fair, you were watching two, you covered two episodes
0: yeah, I mean i I spent the vast majority of it on episode one and then just sort of tacked on some things about episode two at the end, but yeah, I think it was like ten minutes at the end about episode two, but but yeah, so what happened with Velma is essentially that so it's a Mindy Kaling project, although she didn't create or uh or write it at least none of the episodes up to this point. Who is Mindy Kaling? Um, Mindy Kaling is a comedian. You you might have seen her on The Office. Nope. She's a, a South Asian. She's an Indian uh, comedian. Younger Indian comedian lady. Anyway, it was actually created by a guy named, I believe this is the creator, was Charlie Grandy. He created the show. And it's been called Mindy Kaling's Pet Project, so I'm assuming she was kind of involved in that somehow, but I don't know the details. Anyway, uh, they created this show. Mindy Kaling and Charlie, Charlie Grandy show the show called uh, called Velma, and it's a modern take on the character of Velma and the Scooby Doo gang, except without Scooby Doo. Well, without Scooby Doo as a dog. Um, in this iteration, I haven't seen the episode with this, but apparently Scooby shows up as a black woman.
1: <laughs> oh my god. C
0: O O B I. Now, now, don't quote me on this, but this is just what I'm. This is what I'm hearing secondhand about. Oh, no, the uh,
1: racism!
0: At some point, <laughs> at some point, the character of Scooby is reimagined as a black woman, a young black woman, and it's S C O O B I, of course, not, not a Y. Anyway, so. Yeah, and what's happening in this series is that it's supposed to be a more progressive, uh, um, satirical take on the Scooby-Doo universe. Except it doesn't really have anything to do with the Scooby-Doo universe. Like nothing. The only thing that the only crossover carryover there really is, is that there is a mystery of people getting murdered. So in the original Scooby-Doo and series, it was made for kids. And some characters share the same and, name. And some characters share the same name. And the vague, superficial design of the characters from which they, they, they're they based. But the everybody hates this show. It has brought people together from the left and the right in just abject loathing over what has been created. This is the hubris of Mindy Kaling made manifest... <laughs> And we are all in awe. <laughs> and it's because it took the progressive... Uh, some of those progressive t- points, like... I mean, there's race swapping in it, but that tends to be the something that most people don't care as much about as a lot of the other things. It it's can be of, very
1: well done. Yeah. And actually reinforced, like, um, just real quick. Sure. Um, Dune.
0: See, I'm not familiar with the... I've not actually read the books, but in, I can...
1: In every other... Visual representation of Dune, be it the um, David Lynch movie mm-hmm. or the um, 2000 sci-fi miniseries. Um, God, Dr. Liette Kynes was a white dude.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Now it's a black woman, and it makes a lot more sense <laughs> considering this is fucking Arrakis. Right, right. Fair-skinned people are not going to do well in the sands of Arrakis. right. And it, it works really well. They handled it well. And the, the great thing about it, they did it and they didn't draw attention to it.
0: Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> and that's a big thing with Velma is it, it is so, it is so uh, what's the right word? Um, self-aware. It is painfully self-aware. It's one of those shows that it makes a joke and then you can just feel the writers telling you to laugh. Like that's how self-aware this thing is. It's we've seen. we talked about this with Family Guy and how it's gotten to that point where it's just like <laughs> the character delivers the joke as if it's a joke, but there's not actually a punchline there, really.
1: And now, and now you've laughed, Ching <laughs> Yeah, it's like what? Where's the joke? Like there's a there's a there's a there's a, <laughs>
0: there's a moment in Velma where um, she's been arrested and brought in for questioning over the, these murders. And the two cop, the two detectives come in. They're it's a lesbian interracial couple, and they're the the adopted parents of of Daphne in this series. Mm-hmm. So it's like okay, whatever, um, not that important. Uh, but they walk into the in- interrogation room, and and they know Velma, and they actually like Velma because Daphne and Velma used to be friends, and then Velma got hot and was mean to Daphne, and so Daphne. You mean uh, Daphne got mean, hot and was mean to Velma? Yeah, strike that, reverse it. Um, yeah, and but so so they know, her and they actually like Velma, and, and they come in, and they're like, "Hey, Velma, how's it going?" And or "What's up?" And she says something to the effect of, "Or like, what's real?" Or whatever. And she and she says, "Well, God's not real if you two are running this investigation." It's delivered like there's a punchline there, but there isn't an actual joke in that.
1: And then they then they at one point draw their guns on her. They do the, draw, yeah, they do in draw the interrogation the guns room.
0: Yeah, and, and that's just the weird weird self-aware bad humor of it. There's also the story of it, which is has well, is, is I mean, just it, a mess.
1: It makes the cops look awful.
0: Oh, they're actually aware of how awful they are. They they know this. In fact, this is what destroys any semblance of a reasonable story because in that okay. same scene they tell Velma, Hey, you're a suspect in these murders. Uh, we don't think you did it. The reason we brought you in is because we know we're incompetent and we need your help to solve the case. So, you have so we're going to threaten hours. you with guns. So you have 24 hours to solve the case of which you are suspected uh, or we arrest you. That's That's it. That's what's happening in this story, in the first episode, in episode one. They suspect her although these detectives apparently don't suspect her she's a suspect in a series of a serial killer a case of serial killings she,
1: and they're the, detectives, the detectives they identify the suspects
0: and the detectives on the case tell her we know we we don't think you did it but you're a suspect and uh we we're stupid and incompetent and we wouldn't be able to solve this but we need your help to solve this mystery so you madam suspect you have 24 hours to solve the case for us or or you're going to jail for murder
1: In what universe did this make sense? In what universe was this funny?
0: Grandiverse? I don't know. I almost said Kalingverse, but I, I still want to be as as fair as I can to Mindy Kaling. She didn't write it. She didn't create the show. So, you know,
1: credit where it's supposed to be due. I don't know, but yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> ching let, let, it. Let's put it this way. There's a throat that needs slitting, and we don't need to know where to lay the blade. <laughs> Is that, is that a fairer assessment of what you mean? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, for legal reasons, I decline to comment. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, she's a Davidian. A Davidian? A Dravidian, excuse me.
0: A Dravidian.
1: What do you mean by Dravidian? South, a- or S- South Indian.
0: Oh, I didn't know that was a word. I never heard that word before.
1: Yes, um, you got the um. Got Indo-Aryans and the... Dravidians. That's why people from northern India tend to have much lighter skin than those from southern India. It's a different ethnic group.
0: Hmm. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, and fun fact about just like weird things about India, Um, that caste system that they had for well three, wow, close to five thousand years. Mm -hmm. Um, The people in the same village from different castes have more genetic difference between themselves than those from like Norway to Sicily. Huh. Because for so long they had been kept right. marrying inside that cast.
0: Right. Huh. That's actually interesting. I
1: had no idea. Yeah, India's a weird place, man. <laughs> like, you could you can draw up any rule about civilization and, and India will break it.
0: <laughs>
1: All right, so... Back to Velma.
0: Well, <laughs> we are trying to get somewhere with Velma instead of just Dave bitching about Velma hour.
1: Um this isn't gonna be an hour, is it? <laughs> <laughs> so
0: anyway what what what's happened with the show is is that the for lack of better words progressive points of of of, uh, of story to, of modern storytelling where you do things Fred like... Fred being the white dude is the butt of every joke oh yeah it, well it's worse than that he's he is the butt of every joke but they they make him as unforgivably and unrealistically pathetic as they can. He, as Velma said, is a rich white dude with a small dong. That is a line from the series. We are supposed to hate Fred, even though Velma actually has a crush on him. It's really confusing. Um, she simultaneously hates him and also wants to jump his bones real hard. Anyway... So... But there's, thing, there's things in it like race swapping and there's thing I keep bringing that up so we'll, we'll sideline that because we've already talked about it. But there's also, uh, like the opening credits of the show of uh, the, the first episode is the shower scene with like the 15-year-old high school girls literally buck-ass naked wrestling around in the girls' locker room at high school. So we're already running into some weird problems here as far as what these people were willing to put on TV. Um, Very convenient bubble clouds. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, And then there's this meta-commentary between these characters um, about how... Pilots episodes always have more gratuitous nudity in order to to, to bring people in and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're there's, not wrong about that. No, they're not. But and the joke is that they're doing it as they're critiquing it. Um, yeah, there's one part in that scene where one of the characters is like, "I." It's one of the girls, you know, she's like, "I actually love the gratuitous sexuality in the in the pilot episodes." You know, it's 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 it, it, they people do it because it works, and in an oversaturated market, you need a hook, and. My thinking here is okay so so you're saying that the the market is oversaturated with series who use sexuality to sell the pilot and so in order to succeed in that you need a hook and a hook is a thing that makes it unique from other shows and your hook is to use overt sexuality in the pilot
1: oversaturated by by pilots with overt sexuality and cops pulling guns on 15 year old girls yes that are already in custody yes yeah that's the most unique thing there I I just can't get past that that
0: well what's funny is she tries to walk out and that's when they pull the guns on the the guns on her and she far as I can tell has every right to leave although they arrested her I don't know it's a really confusing situation from writers who clearly have no idea how any of that works
1: at all, it's either they they have no idea how that works, or they do honestly don't care.
0: I don't think they care.
1: I think, I think it's I think it's more the they don't care.
0: I think they they give they themselves could have found
1: out how that works.
0: Yeah, well, they give themselves uh, carte carte blanc blanche blanc. Blanc. I always thought it was blanc, but it actually is spelled c h e. I don't know anyway. They give themselves carte blanc because I'm it's comedy. real language. <laughs> because it's comedy it's like well we want to be funny so who gives a shit about the 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 real any realistic details in this we're we're trying to be funny it's like well you still got to sell the audience on some of these moments and you're really not doing that very well
1: yeah you you gotta this this is something else like i get that the idea of restrictions sounds bad but you can when when you're when you give yourself a box to work within
0: restriction breeds creativity that's exactly. something that it's been established and yeah. is actually accepted by most of the artistic community
1: except them not obviously
0: not we know that there are are rules for for what determine what type of art you're doing um in film we have things like genres that dictate I commissioned
1: okay, you for a sculpture I made you a film <laughs> <laughs> huh it's a film of me making a sculpture that I sold to someone else.
0: <laughs> there's a Banksy project for you. But yeah, so you got that kind of stuff, and then you you know, there's the the Fred's a rich white guy, and we're supposed to hate him because he's rich and he's white, and he's uh, a man child, and he doesn't even know how to how to cut his own food, like all of that shit. And most people that were watching this were just like, this is it. It, it was so bad on how hard it pushed those that humor. That it spawned conspiracy theories. <laughs> that Mindy Kaling and the creators of the show were actually conservatives who were intentionally yeah. caricaturizing progressive political talking oh, points yeah. in order to uh, to uh,
1: discredit discredit
0: movement. and subvert subvert them. You know, to, yeah, that 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 actually happened. Um, so the point I'm getting at here, since we're kind of moving in that direction, the segue is the social politics that were presented to, at, at offensively cartoonish degrees mm-hmm. in, in Velma got backlash from not just people on the right or the conservatives but from people on the left for like you're going to make them think we're fucking insane and bitter and resentful and it's like well we already we, thought that we did already <laughs> think that um,
1: now we just have proof positive
0: I'm not gonna say that. That's taking it a bit far. If I'm looking at Velma and saying all oh, the progressives think that shit, I will shit. not like, retract you know, my statement. I'm not doing that. That's a bit abs- too absolutist for me. I met progressives who were good people. Was, I disagreed with them intensely I mean, on. I didn't say anything
1: bad about them. I just said they number fucking things. idiots.
0: What I <laughs> what I will say is, is it, does, it does. It does. It is somewhat part and parcel and I'm really loath to say that because I don't want to generalize too much. But in my personal experience it is part and parcel of the way uh, of the way that a fair amount of the people who are really far left or progressive have engaged with me when it comes to talking about these they types of things. They
1: characterize themselves.
0: They well they caricature me, that's for damn sure. I'm mm-hmm. I am so sick and tired of of arguing with people who are arguing with a caricature of me. It's like I don't know who the hell you're talking to, but it's not me. Yeah. I don't know that person. I've known people like that person, and I don't like them. But it's not me. But anyway, yeah, so it... it, it Maybe in some sense it, it held up a funhouse mirror to some liberals and progressives, and, and they were just kind of like, okay, maybe we need to back up and evaluate just a little bit to make sure we don't end up here.
1: So well may, very have, may least. have been the greatest worst project ever made.
0: It could have been. Yeah, <laughs> it it might have been cuz like I said before, I feel like we're starting to we're starting to move back toward reasonable a reasonable spectrum as far as the general public is concerned in the way that they view things cuz I I've had more peaceful conversations with progressives over the last year than I have had in a long time
1: over those years I, where it was awful. The one progressive that I spoke to yeah, I don't speak to you anymore <laughs> over, over, over this year. But, yeah, it's... Over the Dobbs decision. Oh, wow. Well. But, yeah, I think that's... All I said was, I'm not pissed off about it. And, oh, it's because you weren't affected.
0: I think I know... I'm assuming I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, 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 I do. Um, <laughs> yeah. So... That's our 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 segue into talking about entertainment media and we probably got about a half hour left or we're going to cut this off at oh we got like 15 minutes if we're going to cut this off at 2 hours. But Okay, so do you have any particular questions about oh, baby stuff.
1: Yeah, do you, do you guys have any questions about baby stuff?
0: Well, there's baby stuff happening. I got a lot
1: of baby stuff and need to get rid of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're going to we're going to monitor this baby uh monitor. I'm going to pause. We'll be back momentarily.
1: A moment for you, a crying baby for about 25 minutes for us.
0: Yep, yep,
2: yep.
1: <laughs> um, and we kind of forgot what we just said.
0: Well, we were talking about – I don't remember the exactly where we left off, and we can't review because of the way that this recording works. Um, But we were talking about, I was using Velma to to sort of segue us into a discussion on the state of the uh, entertainment media Mm -hmm. industry. So did you have anything particular you wanted, any particular direction? I could talk about a, a whole bunch of different things.
1: I mean, most of the media that I watch, and therefore most of the media that I feel confident commenting on, falls firmly in the genre fiction.
0: Genre. (laughs) <laughs> I guess genre. Yeah. The genre of genre
1: fiction. Science fiction, a little bit of fantasy, but mostly sci fi. Yeah. Um and from what I'm seeing the over the past several years, the the big sci fi names are and what I mean by the big names in sci-fi, I mean Star Trek, Star Wars, Stargate, although we haven't heard much about Stargate. There's a little bit. Amazon apparently picked them up mm. from MGM. Okay. Um, for the most part, they become hollowed out shells of themselves, and not just because of the, the message. Um,
0: what do you mean by the message?
1: Progressive politics. Mm. You know. Updated for modern audiences.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not just because of that, but
0: <laughs> I just I just imagined a disclaimer like we used to get at the beginning of, of VHS tapes. <laughs> this film has been formatted to fit your worldview. <laughs> it has been edited from its original version.
1: Yeah, it's kind of kind of what we're looking at, <laughs> but not just because of that. It seems. It seems that when you you get the the message pushers, mm. it'd be one thing if they were okay. You can have whatever politics you want, but if you can tell me a good story, yeah, okay. But a lot of the message pushers are they're not capable of doing that.
0: No, they're they're so concerned about the message that they're pushing that they aren't putting enough effort into developing the story. Now that's not the case with all of them. Um, because there are certain messages in shows like even The Owl House for me that I when I'm watching I'm like eh, and actually that really doesn't actually have much to do with the the prevalence of like gay relationships or trans relationships or anything like that. It actually has more to do with uh, the sort of life advice philosophies that the some of the themes uh, tackle, and I've always had a problem with 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 the love me for who I am. Sort of mentality because it's like no, you, you want to if you want to make sure that people are miserable, tell them tell them they're just perfectly fine the way they are mm-hmm. because they know they're not. And if you tell someone that, where can they go from there? What do they have left in life if they are perfect just the way they are?
1: Well, it, I mean, Rousseau has the answer to that.
0: <laughs> go on.
1: Burn down society because society made everything wrong. Oh, well.
0: Yeah. Okay, that's, there's that.
1: Yeah. That's that's Rousseau. <laughs> he's the one who oh, came up with that.
0: Boy, it. he predicted the shit out of that. Um, no, but he
1: advocated the shit out of that. Oh,
0: yeah. See, I don't like that.
1: <laughs> he's the he's part of the reason that this okay. shit goes this way. See,
0: I'm not actually as familiar with Rousseau, which I probably should be considering how much I like yeah.
1: philosophy. Um, well, it's that subset I just of, know that
0: his... his it's his, that
1: subset his, of philosophy that you tend to avoid that I love. Political mm. philosophy oh,
0: Hobbes and Rousseau,
1: well, you got Hobbes Locke and Rousseau those are yeah, those are your three big enlightenment thinkers that everyone likes to quote and then can't remember exactly what they said
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, <laughs> or pretend to quote and can't remember exactly what they said. Well, Rousseau was very much in the he kind of came up with the noble savage concept mm. that people are born naturally good
0: that part I know of Rousseau yeah. It's and his that thing.
1: society is the corrupting influence. If we got rid of society, people would be good again.
0: I would love to know and maybe reading Rousseau would help this, but how the hell he came to that conclusion? Like what evidence was he drawing on?
1: Bigotry of low expectations.
0: The bigotry of okay, yeah, we've heard about that. The soft <laughs> the soft bigotry of low expectations. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, when you're when when you're in an urban society, in an urbanized area and you look around and you see you see the destitute and all that and it's like oh man you know they're all they're around all this opulence and yet they don't have anything mm-hmm. you know they'd be better off to like the savages in the woods who don't who don't even know about all the wonderful things they're not corrupted by it mm-hmm. they don't have envy because they don't know what can happen <laughs> Okay. And if they never developed this level of civilization, they would be just as happy as they are right now, because they can't.
0: (laughs) To Rousseau's credit, there is something about that that does have statistical validation. And when I say that, what I mean is that – I'm not going to say that that human nature is just going to magically become great when you put people in a situation Mm -hmm. like that, because it won't, but – it does it does seem to be true statistically that uh, areas of high crime it's not where people are the most poor. it's where people who are particularly poor and people who are particularly rich live in close proximity to each other. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the identifier of where you're going to find the highest crime rates in any human society. It's where those two people can see each other real clear clearly from
1: pretty close. He also started dismissing you know the absolute brutal wars that happened between various tribes mm. around the planet and I'm not just talking about um, Indians yeah um, he, he had no concept of how absolutely brutal those, <laughs> those societies could be
3: yeah
1: just it was part of it came from the overwhelming military advantage mm. that um, Europe in general and France in particular enjoyed at the time
3: yeah
1: that well they, they can't stand up to us they, so they've ju- they're they just not capable of warfare
0: <laughs> um <laughs> yeah not at not at your level <laughs> that's
1: that's that's where it is that's the soft bigotry of low expectations mm-hmm. Bush
0: I think Bush was the was the one who who Coined that, that phrase, I think. Unless he got it from somewhere else.
1: He probably got it from somewhere else.
0: But that's I, I remember that's where I first heard that, that phrase. The soft mm-hmm. bigotry of low expectations, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, wasn't it... You're just removing their agency.
0: Yeah. Wasn't it Wolf Blitzer I've heard? I know I've heard Carolyn talk about this a few times, where <laughs> Wolf Blitzer, he was, he was doing some kind of uh, reporting, some quote-unquote journalism, and... They were talking about the, this this poverty stricken area. It was a black neighborhood, and he he said something to the effect of, they're just so poor and so black. It's
1: like, uh, oh, Yeah, God. that was coverage of Katrina.
0: Wasn't that? That was Blitzer, wasn't it? I yeah, think it was that Blitzer, was Wolf yeah. Blitzer at Ka- <laughs> oh,
1: during Katrina and people, you know, some of the rioting, but also just general looting to survive because your whole fucking city's flooded. Mm hmm. Yeah, that was him talking about that. And yeah. He's just so poor and so black. It's like, fuck you, Blitzer.
0: <laughs> How black are they?
1: <sighs> I'm sorry, I thought there was a joke here. Cream and your coffee. Straight black. With, With a, shot a shot of, of Hennessy. Hennessy. <laughs> uh,
0: thank you, Keenan Thompson. Oh, man. Yeah, so... Okay, so we... we darted off on philosophy there between the two of us we cover a fair amount of philosophy because you've got the political philosophy and I've got the existential philosophy and some people lump the phenomenologists in there and uh, I give them a half point out of a possible one point
1: (laughs) yeah I I tend to engage with philosophy that has uh, impacts on things outside of the self
0: yes you're more of a practical Mm -hmm. pragmatic
1: yeah Pragmatism is. A I'm story. a pragmatist,
0: hmm. but I I like abstract pragmatism. There's still these things. Existential philosophy still has a, a very pragmatic effect on someone's life, but it's it's an abstract pragmatic effect.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's how do I interact with the outside world? Hear more. How do I interact with myself?
0: It's both, really, and that's what it comes down to. It's how do I. How do I interact with myself and the outside world in a way that's going to alleviate cognitive suffering? Maybe that's a good way to think about it. How am I supposed to engage with myself and the world so that I don't hate it as much? Prozac. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jonathan (laughs) Haidt. I'm just imagining a Joe Rogan episode with Jonathan Haidt where it only lasts for, no, it lasts for a full two hours and it's literally just, you ever done DMT? You ever tried Prozac? Have you ever done DMT though, man? Have you ever tried Prozac?
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I was meditating while doing behavioral cognitive therapy and I popped like three Prozac.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever tried cleaning your room?
1: (laughs) He's in the back room petting a lobster. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh, another fucking Peterson lobster thing popped in my head so it you know they're threatening to take away his his license yeah, unless yeah. he goes to re got to go
0: in front of the tribunal and be re-educated
1: and they've got him in a cell they open it it's time no I'm not going <laughs> they take his lobster Put him down <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's nothing you can do to me To make me Put my lobster down Put him down I'll go <laughs>
1: <laughs> Get him away from the pot <laughs> 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 <Just. clears throat> It's just, it, Lobsters are so funny they, they, are. they just are It's a
0: funny animal Funny creature I,
1: think, I Remember the lobster zone <laughs> I do
0: remember the lobster zone
1: For those who are unaware Get on Google's image search and type in "lobster zone vending machine."
0: <laughs> it's a claw machine <laughs>
1: with live lobsters. It, it is outstanding. Uh huh. We every American home shall have one. <laughs> when the rogue republic of New Indiana rears its ugly head, and me at its me at the front ruling as a iron-fisted dictator tyrant, everyone will own a, a lobster zone. It is mandatory to have one in your home. <laughs> Well, those, or you will be put in a lobster zone.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, those who uh, we live in Indianapolis and the place where we discovered that lobster zone was and one of the few places people around the world might recognize, which is Speedway, Indianapolis, where the famous 500 track is.
1: Yeah, it's right off 16th Street. Right off 16th Street. Right next Street. to the track.
0: Mike's Pub or something? Mike's Bar? Yeah, we Mike's only went something. there
1: twice, and both times someone tried to hook me up with, with one of their friends. I yeah. went on one of those blind dates. You it, did? Yeah, it didn't go well.
0: Was this before you met Cat?
1: Yes. Good
0: god, has it been that long?
1: It's been that long. Damn.
0: All those lobsters are dead.
1: <laughs> and they were delicious. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what
0: the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> um,
1: Me- media?
0: Yeah, yeah, we were we kept getting I mean, we're doing oh, right. the so real the real arbitrarium here where we just keep yeah. getting sidetracked.
1: You're uh the the writers uh, that that have been pushing the message they don't know how to write. The directors have some skill at times, mm-hmm.
0: and a lot of the creative staff tends to have a, a pretty good amount of skill. Like with Velma, most people who are criticizing it are still acknowledging that the animation's as it, good. As far as adult animation goes, it's one of the it's one of the best on TV right now, mm-hmm. technically speaking.
1: Yeah, from from a technical standpoint, but the the writing and the world building is awful.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is pretty sad because the world had already been built
1: in the 70s. Yes. And when it comes to the the big names in sci-fi, we've seen more so on, on the Star Trek side of things than the Star Wars side of things. The world building just fall through the floor.
0: Which again is pretty sad because the world started being built in the '70s, '60s. Was it the late '60s? Technically, that's true of Scooby-Doo too. It it was uh, started in I think the first season was 1968 or 69. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I thought the first movie came out in the real early '70s.
1: The first movie for yeah. Star Trek. For Star yeah. Wars. Oh, no! I thought Star, you were talking about Star Wars. No, Star. I'm talking about Star Trek in particular. But oh, both okay. I'm
0: sorry. I thought you were talking about Star Wars.
1: Yeah, Star Trek came in out in '66.
0: Yeah, okay, yeah, that's true. It came out. That came out several years before Star Wars.
1: Um, over a decade.
0: See, I thought the first Star Wars movie was in like 1973 or something.
1: 77. Was it really? 77. Okay. okay. So, I, I honestly think that, with the exception of Lower Decks, um, that actually embraces the world. That, mm-hmm. that Star Trek is in without trying to reinterpret it and redraw mm-hmm. the lines. You've got... Discovery wrecks the continuity of the entire universe. <laughs> um, Picard has, just makes... takes the beloved character of Picard and renders him nutless.
0: Well, I think one of the things that you're... the we will struggle with in order to complain about those things is that the people that were and that were involved in the inception of Star Trek mm-hmm. um, and who knew uh, Roddenberry and, and worked with Roddenberry they all seem to have this philosophy of and they, they seem to believe that Roddenberry would have been the same way. This philosophy of, look, Star Trek is about where are you going to take me next? It's not about sticking to everything that it ever was yeah hardline you you don't
1: need to do that right I mean yeah people who uh, who who look at me who might
0: Nimoy and and and, uh, and Patrick Stewart are both among many others vocal about that type of thing
1: yeah that's that's fine take me somewhere else Mm. and what are they doing with the actual shows
0: Mm. are you taking me somewhere that makes sense (laughs) maybe that's a good question are you taking me somewhere that 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 doesn't completely upend what had already been established as far as the universe is concerned? Because you got to be careful about that. Even if you're trying to take me somewhere new, it's like, okay, you can take me somewhere new, but I'm not really that interested in you know a Tarantino-directed Star Trek movie or series. I'm just mm-hmm. I'm not in it. I'm not. And and Tarantino completely out and out. No, like, no, made no bones about it. He said, Oh, yeah, it's going to be like, it's going to be what you're expecting. I'm Quentin Tarantino, and it's going to be Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, I don't want that. It's like, I don't, I don't want that, man. Like, I like your movies. Well, but I don't want Tarantino and Star Trek don't jive together.
1: Tying, tying the political thing back, it's, you're people who look at, at least me, I've, I've, I've heard this. It's How can you be a, a real Star Trek fan and not be a liberal? Because I mean let's Star Trek has been fairly progressive on things mm-hmm. but there's a difference between hey we're going to present as close as we can the argument on both sides and then we'll make a judgment sure, mm-hmm. but at least they presented the argument fairly to you know everyone who doesn't let's let's turn the Klingons into, into what we think Trump voters are.
0: Star Trek had, from what I can tell, traditionally been about exploring the argument and exploring the mm-hmm. questions. That's, yes. That seems to, like, in the series that I that I love, TOS, TNG, and Deep Space Nine, and Voyager, even mm-hmm. they seem to be about that mostly. Like we're more concerned with the questions than we are with giving you the answers we think are right. Mm-hmm. Now TNG did that more, I think, than the other series, where
1: they were offering. TOS gave a lot more just hard answers on that, but
0: okay. I'm, I'm, in retrospect, I'm thinking of TOS as being more philosophical explorations than just giving straight hard answers. But it's been a long time since I've seen it, so I'm probably forgetting a lot. Um, but yeah, and they weren't as concerned with giving us the answers that the writers think, mm-hmm. and that becomes more trans, much more <clears throat> transparent with with uh, Discovery, definitely. And I, another thing is, and that I think more conservative viewers and, and pe- people who really like Star Trek have a problem with is, especially with Discovery, is that you have this cast of people, these this cast of characters, these people that were in Starfleet and oh, don't get
1: me started on the characters
0: on are, that are on <laughs> this ship who are children. Yeah, they they aren't competent enough to do this work. They aren't stable enough to do this work. No, Things would not go well for this crew if they were actually put in these situations. Uh,
1: At least least once an episode, someone in the main cast is crying. At least once an episode. Mm -hmm. Over an emotional breakdown. Or something that hits them so hard. It's like, I'm not opposed to to Starfleet officers showing emotion. Or or, Or even crying. Or even crying, but...
0: And tr- when you see them do that in previous series it's you, they're crying but they're doing their job
1: they're doing their job and by God it's earned yeah and compare, tears are
0: cheap in, in Discovery you know? yeah
1: the, the best comparison any episode of Star Trek Discovery with when, when the tears are flowing freely it's like every episode of season season 3 that I watched I gave up after 4 episodes mm-hmm because it started off, okay, hey, this is somewhere new. Mm-hmm. This is this is a new aspect of this world to explore. This is a new situation for a ship to be in. All right, cool. Every episode, Burnham was crying. That uh, that character was crying her eyes out about something. Mm-hmm. Compare that to Kirk at the end of um, Wrath of Khan. Yeah. He shows immense emotion, but keeps it under control because he's the man in charge, and everyone knows it.
0: Yeah, when you're outperformed by William Shatner, right? <laughs> <laughs> and to be okay, that that's almost not fair because I do think the actress—I don't know her name—but the actress that plays Michael Burnham is actually a good actress. I think she does. I mean, I think the director. I mean, if she can cry on command like that, and the writing is really what what suffers with 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 Discovery, but I do think she's a equal, Martin actress. Green. Yeah. I think she's the actress that plays Whitney Houston in the new biopic, but I could be wrong. I, th- I think it's her, I, I though. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't want to lay t- any, really any fault at the, at the feet of the actors, because the number of them are actually do a really good job with what they're given. hmm But, yeah, the the, the, the writing is, is not good.
1: And, and Doug Jones is always just a joy, oh, yeah. joy to see. Yeah. He's so weird-looking all the time, because he's <laughs> a weird-looking dude. Gangly. <laughs> Yeah. I
0: don't think I've ever seen a person in my life that fit that description as well as Doug Jones. I I
1: listened to an interview with Doug Jones uh, on another podcast called um, Imaginary Worlds. Mm. And that was a fascinating interview. He seems like just the coolest dude.
0: He would have to be to go through the the time commitment of the makeup that he Mm -hmm. goes through. Like hours and hours and hours and hours and hours.
1: Apparently his favorite... Character to ever play was uh, the guy from, or the the fish man in Shape of Water. Yeah, it made that that outfit made his look, ass look just amazing.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> Jim Carrey when he was playing the Grinch, he he likened the makeup time to being tortured, and they actually had to bring in a uh, a rack. No, they actually had to bring in a a uh, someone who was trained to teach people how to withstand torture to help Jim Carrey deal with that situation. Wow. Yeah. So they'd have to take breaks occasionally so that Jim could just kind of allow himself to freak the fuck out and and there were other times when he when he you know he would take the advice of the person and he'd be, he'd be like sitting there in this like almost full grinch getup just chain smoking cigarettes and talking to <laughs> as many people as he could while the <laughs> makeup was going on cuz you know distractions are mm. useful. Yeah.
1: I want to see video of, this, of the Grinch smoking. <laughs> the chain smoking uh, Jim Carrey Grinch. Yes, <laughs> but it, getting back to, to New Trek, it they're from a from a creative standpoint. I do not know why they didn't set that post Voyager. There's no reason not to.
0: The tech would have made a lot more sense. The things that and they discovered had
1: plagiarize it. Indie, an Egyptian indie game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not familiar with that. Oh yeah, that was settled out of court.
0: Oh, is this the is this the the tardigrade space tardigrade thing? Yes, the yeah. game
1: was called Tardigrades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, look up the similarities between tardigrades and season one of Star Trek Discovery <laughs> and boy, They basically ripped the entire premise of tardigrades
0: mm, problems
1: to put in Star Trek Discovery. Awesome, yeah,
0: so, right
1: down to the look of Stamis, oh god yeah the the chief Dammit's. engineer of the ship from yep. uh tardigrades is a dead ringer for the chief engineer of the ship <laughs> in tardigrades, complete with infusing himself with tardigrade DNA to pilot the ship
0: <laughs> problems,
1: yes, in the mycelial network stolen from tardigrades. <laughs> It's someone's head should have rolled over that one.
0: Well, you know, you got enough money to settle out of court.
1: Yeah, um, there there they was no reason discovery is, had to be as bad as it was. Well.
0: they probably thought this is some indie game from Egypt. Who the hell's gonna know?
1: The guy from Egypt. The guy gonna, from Egypt <laughs> who is probably watching Star Trek, when, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> Like, you thought about half of this, which is nobody knows that story. But you didn't think about the other half, which is it's a Star Trek show and people all over the world are going to watch it.
1: Right. So there's no reason Discovery had to be as bad as it was. I mean, true. Season one of every Star Trek show is a bit rough. Mm-hmm. Fine. But you did not give us anything about the rest of the crew.
0: Yeah. The whole time I was watching the first season of Star Trek Star Trek Discovery or S T D as it is yes. to be called. Um, I just wanted to know about the cyborg lady. I never got that answer before I gave up, but I wanted to know what's with that what's with that lady
1: on the bridge. Yeah, we I can't even remember her name. I think her first name's Kayla.
0: Probably, I don't know. I know from somebody that her fate's not great, but uh that was the character I just wanted to know more about because she looked interesting and I never got any answers on that. Yeah.
1: Other than that, Soru was my guy and I didn't really give a shit about it. The only her time guess. that you find out about any any of the any of the rest of the crew is right before they're killed.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the the full cyborg lady. Not the not the half cyborg lady.
0: Yeah. See the half cyborg lady. I wanted to know more about her.
1: Yeah. Um the full cyborg lady. They have an entire episode about a day in her life, and the next episode she's dead. Oh. It's to give you an emotional attachment that you didn't have before and then immediately <laughs> cash in on it. Crash Course. Yes. It, oh.
0: Yeah, the only two things I really liked about Discovery were Soru and Michael Burnham's haircuts.
1: Yeah, Soru was cool, Michael Burnham's haircuts were acceptable. I have no. They were
0: different, like every season. I kind of liked it.
1: Uh, yeah, she she grew it out in season three. Mm. Um. The the Red Angel storyline from season two mm. was god awful.
0: Plus, you do what they did, what you always do when you're suffering. Um, Spock, <laughs> enter Spock.
1: Yeah, Enter Spock and Pike and oh hey, look, it's the Enterprise. Remember the Enterprise? <laughs> they just throw so many member berries at you.
3: Mhm.
1: Picard did did a lot of the same thing. There's no reason Picard shouldn't have centered on Picard. Yeah. But the actual the character that actually had an arc was was Soji. It should have been called Star Trek Soji. mm
0: Mhm. That just happened to feature those other characters.
1: That it, yeah, Picard was there. He had no arc. Yeah. He he didn't change at all, other than just running around and apologizing for everything he ever did. Um, no one had an arc in that show outside hmm. of Soji.
0: Yeah, that's a problem when you have a show that's going into season three now.
1: When it, when it's serialized. Yeah. It's. You, c- you can look at, like, episodic Star Trek, TNG, DS9, and Voyager, although Vo- DS9 and Voyager started to experiment with serialized episodes, but those characters had more of an arc than mm-hmm. a series that has, than these series that have serialized seasons. Yeah. And they still managed to keep bringing Brent Spiner back. <laughs> like, Data is dead. Season two, Brent Spiner's back as Nynyan Sung's grandfather.
0: Well, yeah, they use the Dragon Balls, man.
1: I, I guess, and now he—it's like they go to an alternate universe, but it's not the mirror universe where Brent Spiner or Nunyan Sung, yeah, Brent Spiner's character is like remembered as the great savior of Earth, who's now the center of an empire. It's like, how is this not the mirror universe? It's not the mirror universe, though. <laughs> it uh so they gotta go back to 2019 or 2021. Of course they do. Yeah, to 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 fix the timeline because it's like, okay, a time travel episode every once in a while, that can be fun. An entire season of time travel. <laughs> And then this fixation on on Picard's mom and how she hanged herself. This
0: that wasn't even in TNG. I don't know. Never, say, I don't never brought You'd up. You think that that would be something they would have talked about?
1: And how it was so traumatic especially, his entire life. But
0: yeah, especially with with uh, oh good God, really, Wilby Goldberg, um,
1: Guinan. Guinan, thank you. Oh, Guinan's back.
0: Oh yeah, I knew about that. But yeah, you played would, by a different actress. Really? Yeah. Whoopi Goldberg was signed on to play Guinan again.
1: Yeah, for like an episode.
0: Oh, and then she came back as a, as a different. Actress. When they
1: went, when they went back in time. They, oh, yeah. Okay. okay. But you. that doesn't make a damn lick of sense. Anyway. Because you know, Guinan looked the same in the twenty hundreds right. as she did in the nineteenth century yeah. when she was in San Francisco.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And. Um, you so, know back then she was dealing with uh talking to some stranger over the net and it was a big thing uh over over, over some rolling stones That's lyrics. how she met her husband. Yes it is. That's how she <laughs> she met her husband. I remember jumping Jack Flash. <laughs> <laughs> and then she joined a nunnery. It was pretty wild times for gay. And then
1: the 7 of 9's character, or Terry Ryan's character 7 of 9. The whole character is a member berry. In in all seasons, she's just a memberberry.
0: Gene memberberries? What? Gene memberberries.
1: Oh, yes. yes. I see what you did there. It's a class six planet. We, there should at least be rotten berries. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and... I mean, I guess what we're really boiling this down to is complaints about the
1: contrivance
0: contrive yeah that's a good way to put it i was talking to somebody the other day i can't remember who it was i was talking about how it seems like the the state of storytelling and media right now is you have people who are coming into these positions these writing positions and we're starting to get people who grew up in a generation that didn't spend as much time talking directly to other people and maybe being socialized in, out in, like in the wild, for lack mm. of better words, right? With other kids in neighborhoods and things like that. And I think the problem we're running into is that now we've got a generation of people who, when they write things, it feels like they understand humanity and the human experience and, and, and all that by proxy,
1: yeah, in abstract only.
0: <laughs> they they they're writing things that feel like copies of copies, and it's because they seem. It's, to me, it seems like they've learned how to write two ways. Well, it's they're all only doing it in one way, but from two two things. One, they view people like human behavior in terms of how characters in TV shows and movies behave that they've seen growing up. So we're starting to get you know the. The copy of a copy, clone retard version of, of, (laughs) we're going to pay for that, Um, of writing.
1: It's an incestuous relationship that results in retard babies.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She'd be your sister, which means you'd have extra retard babies. (laughs) Um, That's three. (laughs) What's our quota? Um, Do we have a retard quota?
1: (laughs) (laughs) We need to stop. Anyway, I don't know if I can. I might be retarded. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, we're gonna get canceled. Um. Anyway,
1: somehow we're still on air in Germany. I don't get it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but so yeah, it, it, that's the one way they're they're getting it by proxy from watching TV shows and movies instead of ex- actually really experiencing these things. And then
1: I wonder how many of them went went to went to college.
0: That's my next point here. Okay, is that the other half of their learning experience as far as writing is entirely academic. So we're getting writers who are too concerned with the academic structure of writing. And so we can see all of the, the, the old contrivances of writing the, the, the formulas, the like, mm-hmm. everything seems like it's just moving from beat to device to beat to device from beat to device, so on and so forth mm-hmm. you got your your narrative devices, you know where the character needs to go from here to here, and you insert some kind of narrative device device to get them there, and that's beat. Res-
1: irrespective of character
0: right, and it's it's resulting in things that, like you said, feel contrived because they are contrived. We're not having writers that I are, didn't
1: say they feel contrived. I said they were contrived well, yeah.
0: Um and and it's and it's we're getting that experience of watching these shows where it's like we 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 is this a person or is this a character? It's so transparent that we're watching a show that's being written by writers mm-hmm. who are working on a working from some academic structure of the story that they're trying to tell, and the characters aren't that believable and it tends to be overacted. It tends to be melodramatic. Now. On the flip side of that, it's almost like we have a divergence in writing, where a lot of it seems to be what I just described, but then we also have standout shows that has made television better than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I'm thinking about even things like Andor. Like, Andor is a really, really good show with sensible writing and great character development. Like... Uh, in some sense I think there's Oscar worthy writing in in something like I'm
1: sure I can find some fuck ups there somewhere (laughs) probably but from what I understand the show has a fairly large cast which means some of those characters are not going to be very well developed
0: hmm you'd be surprised man they do a really really good job with it um but yeah, and then you know we've got shows like God. What are some other examples? Arcane, for as far as animation yeah, I was, goes. Yeah, I was
1: wondering when you are going to bring up Arcane.
0: Arcane's a great example of that, where you've got animated storytelling <laughs> that it has really good character development.
1: And what I love about Arcane, and I, we've probably talked about this before, but what I really love about Arcane is there is such political messaging in it, but it's not so much. Hi, I am an opinion that embodies a character. No, you you have characters that have opinions. Yeah. And the the show is written in such a way that anyone could be wrong here. Yeah. And everyone in some degree is wrong.
0: Mhm. And you've got people in all of these camps that are are reasonable and, mean and sympathetic. well. and sympathetic and who are also sons of bitches.
1: Yeah, even 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 the villain of the show on some level he's sympathetic. Yeah. You you get where he's coming from. You you might not ab- approve of how ruthlessly he pursues it. Yeah, but you
0: understand him. Yeah. And it, at times you even maybe even to your chagrin, feel for him.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you, it's like he's not he's not an absolute monster. No. No, he is he an ends he, he took justif- an orphans.
0: <laughs> Right. <laughs> he is an ends justifies the means sort of character. Mm-hmm. But you you see what he's he's gone through, and you see what he thinks he's after, and it's like, look, I actually think what you're after might work, but your methods for getting there are really delegitimizes bad. your entire yeah yeah entire it's not goal. going to result in the goal that you <laughs> you seem to be seeking.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Arcane is great for that. I can't wait till season two comes out.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for it too. I've, I've sung the praises of that show ever since I saw it. But, yeah, so you, you, you do have that divergence because you haven't had television, Western television at the very least, up to this point, didn't have very many examples of that kind of of really strong actual storytelling that you didn't really get in anything other than books for a long time, and, and films.
1: Or adaptations of books.
0: Right, right. Oh, well, then again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> The my favorite show that's been on in the past several years was The Expanse, and I've talked about that quite a yeah, bit.
0: Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things. I just haven't started watching it.
1: It's it's a slow burn. Mm-hmm. Um, it it takes them a while to get all the pieces in place before things can really start moving. Yeah, but it's this this is how you do hard sci fi.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So let me real quick between hard and soft sci fi. Star Wars is not sci-fi. Space opera. Yes, that is a type of sci-fi. Star Wars is science fantasy. Mm. nothing they never attempt to even explain how any of this works, but it is obviously technological.
0: And the one time they did, people were pissed.
1: Right, like the fuel,
0: the midi chlorians. Oh, That's the, what I'm thinking. Okay, of, yeah. I was
1: I was thinking the the hyper fuel. Right? <laughs> right. That. That, that didn't need to happen. <laughs> they didn't need to do that. Why did you do that? The uh, Star Trek is soft sci-fi, where the, the laws of physics and how the technology interacts with the world and the people is this works and will throw some techno battle at you. We so bounce the rock on particle
0: beam off the main the reflector, reflector dish.
1: dish. That's the way we do it, son. We're doing making shit up as we wish. <laughs> Klingons on the Romulans, they pose no the threat to us. Because if we find a word a bind, we'll we just, just mix make some, some shit up. up. <laughs> yeah. That's soft sci fi. Yeah. Most sci fi you've ever is seen. Soft sci fi. Soft, soft yeah. sci fi. And to an extent, all all sci fi has soft elements to it.
0: Well, yeah, because if they weren't. If they didn't, then we wouldn't have that technology. Or it'd, be or, know how
1: to, or it'd be a scientific paper. Right. <laughs> like theoretical physics. Mm-hmm. And even then, some of that has some soft elements. <laughs> but um, <laughs> The Expanse is the hardest sci-fi TV show ever made. In my opinion.
0: PhD in squishy science.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so they came to me and asked... Do you have a degree in theoretical physics? And I told him, I have a theoretical degree in physics, and they told me you're hired. (laughs) And that's how I ended up here working at this power station.
0: What was that? Was that Biodome? No. What was that?
1: No, that was uh, Fallout New Vegas. Oh,
0: okay. Okay, yeah. I was way off.
1: Mr. Fantastic. Dude's an absolute idiot. He figured out how to turn on the lights and thought it was a great achievement. (laughs) Anyway, um, the expanse, the only soft tech that's in, like, the so, uh, that, that you initially see is, is the drives. Mm. Um, and to a lesser extent, the fusion drives or the fusion reactors. We have no idea how to build a, an Epstein drive. It's, it's just when asked, hey, how does this work? They're, it works on efficiency. it's a drive that can maintain high g acceleration for long periods of time
3: Mm -hmm.
1: so you can get from earth to neptune in a matter of days that's the only soft element to it as far as how the universe works everything else is we've built rail guns we know those work um Light lag is a thing you can't have real- time communications across the solar system
3: mm-hmm.
1: and instead of ignoring those laws of physics to try and speed things up, no they they confine themselves in that box to to actually make more drama mm. Mm-hmm. And it because of how the universe is set up, it's like my god this is this isn't a contrivance this is act this is the fucking laws of physics we're running into. Mm-hmm. We can't get past this, <laughs> and as the show goes on, more soft elements do appear, but it's it's Clark Tech, which uh Clark tech is any sufficiently advanced technology looks like magic,
3: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. What's the fucking Expanse, all right? Just, <laughs> the show's over for now. They, they said they might bring it back to finish the last three books. And now
0: on to our sponsors. Watch Jack the Daniels.
1: <laughs> Watch The Expanse. With Jack Daniels. Are you watching? Je- none of these things sponsor us. No, no, they don't. Could we get a Jack Daniels sponsorship? You think they'd pay us?
0: Not much, if they did. Because, I mean... Would our, they, our viewership is piddling.
1: Would they pay us enough to get another bottle of Jack Daniels?
0: <laughs> they probably would do that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, 30 bucks for a couple of mentions of Jack Daniels? Why not?
1: Yeah. Um, so
0: what else can we talk about as far as entertainment media? Trying to think if there's any little things we just haven't quite touched on yet that might be interesting to talk
1: about. It's been two and a half hours, Dave. I it's think. been. You must be punished. No.
0: Oh, babies sleeping. Babies. Babies. There's babies asleep.
1: Yeah, that's. <laughs> All right. Um, I think we're going to call this episode of the the state of the world brought to you by the Arbitrarium.
0: All right. I might come up with a better title. But, you you know, should, because really we're this, this is going to be a series, I think, of 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 just true arbitrarium ramblings. Yes, topic to topic, bounce to bounce, you know that kind of shit. So, all right, are you going to play us out on that godforsaken instrument?
1: Yes.